Hello, hi, happy holidays, and welcome to episode 192 of the Random Title Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode as well, it's it's kind of all over the place. Um, the gaming news cycle in this post-Smash Bros. world that we now live in has been quite the weird grab bag of, like, stuff. So we thought it'd be kind of fun, given that it's the holidays and all, um, to sort of treat this like you're getting stocking stuffers, which is the name of our episode. So instead of just going through the news and what we've been playing, we've thrown all our big topics into a box, and we literally get to pick the topics as we go at random and just sort of jump around. It could be our thoughts on the Sonic movie posters that came out. It could be impressions of Towerfall. It could be our personal game of the year picks. Or like any good stocking, it could be an actual gift. So somewhere in this episode, and I don't know where yet, it's all random, um, we're going to be telling you how you can win a $20 eShop gift card, as well as our usual episode stuff. So um, you're going to have to keep listening, because like I said, it's random. That's the magic of randomization. And also, perhaps the first time our podcast name has actually truly been relevant. It really is random Nintendo for once. Um, so I, I think it'll be fun. I don't know. It's a little different approach than what we usually do. Um, I'm just here for the ride. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone, hopefully everyone's on board for. If there's anything specific you want to hear, like if you want to jump, le- like leapfrog part of the ride, um, there are timestamps at randomtown.com. There are it's time random for under... us, not for you guys, I guess. Yeah, I guess you guys kind of know, but if you if you haven't looked at the timestamps, then it's random for you too. And if you have looked at the timestamps, spoiler alert, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so we might as well um, just jump right in. And after all that about randomization, can I break the rule for a second? Because I really feel like we... <laughs> Let's remove the random feel... from random Nintendo. I, I just, after it, just yeah. talking about how this is one exactly. of the few times so, random Nintendo random. So I, I'm just saying, like, I feel like we have to start with the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. You mean the elephant in the room? Re- yeah, really. Not really the legs of the elephant. Like, it's not so much the movie. It's Sonic's legs. Those weirdly toned overly humanoid legs that are wearing the wrong shoes like nothing about the legs is correct not even the shoes and if you somehow haven't seen what we're talking about first of all congratulations on having two weeks of peace and happiness in your life um but it also means you didn't miss this amazingly bad ramp up of a reveal that is like the embodiment of the well that escalated quickly from anchorman kind of like it's just like it got you you would think it wouldn't get worse and then it got worse and we still don't know how much worse it can get like in the middle of it right now um so just to catch people up if they don't know it started about two weeks ago ign revealed the first motion poster teaser for the movie and immediately there were red flags to me like never mind we'll get to sonic in a second but like let's talk about what's around him first first of all there's the slogan of a new speed of hero which i i guess like, it doesn't really make sense, but sure. Yeah, they're making um, fun of Breed of Hero, so it's Speed of Hero. Oh, I never, I didn't put that together. That makes sense. Never mind. I can roll with that. Okay. Wow. But then the other thing, and you would think the you guy would, that yeah, does I the thought, puns. I thought you of all people would get it. I didn't. I totally missed it because I think I was distracted by because the other thing. Because Breed of Hero is like a cliche. So yeah, they're it's a like, new Speed yeah. of Hero. I think what, what tripped me up is right above it, they slapped on from the producers of Fast and the Furious. And it's like, I mean, I guess there's cachet with that franchise, but, like, it's not a good sign to me when the people behind the movie are like, well, let's see. Sonic is fast. Fast and Furious. Well, that has fast ride in the title. So, makes sense to tie them together. Like, they don't really overlap in any, or they shouldn't really overlap in any real way. Like, to me, it demonstrates, at least on some level, like, a lack of understanding about the character. Like, I mean, granted, I'm no Sonic expert. Like, I when we did our stream a few weeks ago for the Smash Bros. send-off for Wii U, I didn't remember Sonic's favorite food was chili cheese dogs someone had to tell me that but or chili dogs but so i'm not claiming like i'm the sonic expert but i i do know that going fast doesn't mean he's like fuzzy vin diesel like it seems i don't know weird 
but I, I think what's maybe more worrying is that people at Paramount seem to have, um, at least from what we've seen up to this point, they've kind of just taken the Sonic license and run with it. Like, no pun intended. But, like, in, like, the very same IGN reveal as the motion poster, Tim Miller. He's the producer of the movie. He directed the first Deadpool. He, he knows his stuff. He's good. He was, like, he raised a really big red flag for me. Like, also point like, an alarm or, like, sending people into underground bunkers. Like, it was bad because he boasted about Sega being unhappy with their choices. And, like, why would you do that? Like, he specifically was they're just, ruffling feathers that's what you i want guess to do. but there's yeah they're specifically talking about sonic's eyes which we still haven't seen and he described it as i'm just gonna read the quote i don't think sega was entirely happy with the eye decision but these sorts of things you go it's gonna look weird if we don't do this but everything is discussion and that's kind of the goal which is to only change what's necessary and stay true to the rest so that brings us back what is necessary exactly to sonic's weirdly toned legs because according to mr miller they changed only what was necessary but then there's a second poster that came out. And if you look at the second poster where it's Sonic and it's just his legs and feet and he's looking back at the Golden Gate Bridge that he just ran through. If you look at that, almost nothing is not changed. Apparently, according to Tim Miller, everything was necessary to change because it literally looks nothing like well, I mean, what you think of it. You you are probably a bigger Sonic fan than me. Like It looks nothing like Sonic. It's weird. Uh, I guess if someone didn't tell me it was a Sonic movie or if it wasn't you know, on the poster... Um, I wouldn't I'd be like is this a Sonic movie but I would have doubts that it is I would just assume it's like I don't know just some generic I don't know I guess monster or hero movie where someone has I don't know, the ability to run fast it's Teen but, Wolf but mixed with yeah, the blue, like yeah, he blew like himself that. joke from Arrested Development <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it looks like like Sonic cosplay it's weird legs very fuzzy the, the yeah. thing that I find so bizarre is like so it's like kind of on the money but kind of not because like so they gave him shoes that are different. He has like Converse now with laces. I mean, and in the laces uh, they tied a ring. It's like who, in what world are you putting anything in your lace as you walk around? That's not a thing. That is a thing. Is it? Yeah, it is. Among kids, among adults, among like people that are into shoes, like. Eh. I, 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 I mean, the, I know I've seen like tags uh, um, and among stuff. the sneakerhead community. I know I've seen like tags and stuff. Thing. But, all right. I mean, enough so that I honestly that yeah, didn't bother you. That, no, like hmm. honestly, like the shoes. Yeah, they're different, but I mean. That's kind of whatever at this point, because yeah, I mean Sonic shoes like they kind of change from game to game. I mean, people hated the Sonic Adventure Two shoes or the Sonic Adventure shoes because they looked over designed, but now I don't know they look fine. I mean I don't know I never really care that much about Sonic. So it's more the legs for you. It's the yeah, weird, it's the overly muscular, slightly too long, short. I don't even know what direction wrong they are. They're just wrong <laughs> legs. I mean, yeah, everything else is just so feels like it's in the wrong direction that the shoes feel like the least of it yeah but if we are going to get into the shoes let's get I, into the shoes let's I, get I, deep into the shoes i mean i don't know Wear if they thought shoes. but like they have perfectly good um i forgot the name of the company it's a japanese company but elvis ordered these exclusive sonic shoes not the puma ones that are designed to look like sonic the puma shoes look like they skinned the sonic from the sonic movie and stuck it on a shoe <laughs> like they're just about the same out fuzzy they are fuzzy, but I do like those. But anyway, yeah. well, I like both yeah, of they're those. cool. They're, the, actually, they're, they kind of look like tennis balls that got ripped apart. Well, yeah, well, yeah, we're talking about the texture, but yeah. Anyway, but there's these other shoes that were Japan exclusive that are literally Sonic's shoe. Like it's literally just Sonic's shoe, but mm-hmm. in the real world, it's just red. Has that white band on the front. Has a golden buckle, and they look good. It's like this is what, just giving him that. This is what it looks like in the real world. I doesn't look weird. I mean, it's, it's, I think the issue is like. I don't know if they realize, but kind of like in the Pokemon movie, like you expect these characters to look a certain way, and 
I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting Sonic to look like this. Like this. I mean, it, it's if re- Sonic looks like Sonic, I don't think anyone's gonna be like, oh, he looks weird. They're gonna be like, oh, cool, that's He's Sonic. Sonic. I mean, just look at that progressive commercial that I think we brought up last time, or that. you told me outside the podcast. You oh, that I brought up last podcast. time. Like, yeah. it's just Sonic talking to um, Flo. I mean, he's obviously CG because it's just a commercial, but, I mean, he looks fine. Yeah, no It's just like Bowser it. in the doctor's office recently. That looks yeah, fine. that's a great ad, he Bowser was su- in the doctor's I mean, he's office. super CG, but, like, it's fine. It's like no one needed Bugs Bunny to be realistic in Space Jam or Looney Tunes back in action. It's just fine. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't – like, it's, it's weird when the most accurate part of the Sonic poster – it's not even actually accurate – was that stupid graffiti in the post, in the corner where it says Sonic was here. It was, of course, oh, we spelled W-Z. That's the blue blur. That's, the person. that's pretty accurate. That's definitely too, the most accurate part. But no, the, the Sonic was here. Like That, to me, was like, hey, it's what like a guy who saw Sonic one time was like, oh, that's what Sonic would do. Like That's like, oh, he has tood. That's some tood right there. Why did he write like, was? Like W-U-Z. Because it's cool and hip uh, and the kids from 1994 love it. No, I don't know, but like that's kind of my point. Is like, if the most accurate thing is the blur, which is just a line, and then graffiti that, like, if you knew Sonic at passing glance, like, I mean, maybe I feel like if he was more Poochie questions. from The Simpsons, maybe. Honestly, when I read that, I'm all like, that made me kind of think like, so I guess they're, I mean, I guess they're they're from Mobius. They have like their own alphabet. I guess like it just happens to be the same as ours. Or that he bothered to learn how to write English just to. He's living that. among humans in Green Sonic, Hill kind of Zone City or whatever they're calling it. Because I don't want to say Sonic's illiterate, but I, I mean, given how busy he is saving the world from stuff, I figure he knows how to speak, but he probably can't write. And that's why he spelled was W U Z instead yeah, of W A S. That's still impressive. It's cool to not be educated, as we've learned these last couple of years. So there you go. He's clearly educated <laughs> enough to like know all those letters or to know that those he sound phonetically right. sounded yeah. it out. Yeah, he's like well, he's half trying. literate. He's <laughs> half literate. We, I mean, really, we should just be proud of a of a hedgehog that can stand upright and run and talk. Never mind, write. I know, but Apparently we talked about Sonic's literacy. Yeah, I, I mean, that, these are the pressing questions that America needs to know. I get it. But yeah, like I'm. I mean, to be fair, I don't think we're trying to be overly negative. Like we're not trying to be like Zarpus is bad or anything. But like, I mean, it's like it has nothing to do with it. So honestly, who cares? Yeah, I just, I just feel like there's potential here. It's just a shame that this is the, the mainstream view of Sonic for the next few years. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem. Is like, even though they have like potentially really good talent behind it, I think Ben Schwartz is probably gonna be a great voice for no, it. I like Ben Schwartz. Terrible. Uh, Jim Carrey has should have been Roger Craig Smith. It's uh, yeah, I guess in a way it should have been. But like having like. Jim Carrey doing Robotnik or Eggman or whatever you call him. That's interesting. That has some potential. I don't know what that will turn into. It's a little like... Have you seen The Grinch? That's also something to turn into. Uh, so I thought that was bad. I kind of liked his Grinch. I think Better he, than the CG Grinch that's out now? He was you prefer him over Benedict Cumberbatch? I would say so. He was definitely more Grinchy. Benedict Cumberbatch just kind of seemed like mildly annoyed at everybody. Oh. Uh, he didn't he's really, just like a slightly perturbed Doctor Strange. Yeah, he didn't seem like a bad guy. He was just... Yeah, he was just annoyed. Hmm, weird. He, he, he didn't come off as evil. Especially because he was so nice to his dog, like pretty much the whole movie, as opposed to Jim Carrey, who was who like pretty much into everybody, yeah, including the dog. But yeah, it. Uh, I mean, it's just I don't know. It just feels like to your point that like this is what he's gonna be the next few years in the public eye. They kind of botched. It. I mean, even former Sonic team staff who have worked on Sonic were kind of taken aback. Like I just love these comments. They all put out comments. Um, one of them was like. I heard a Sonic movie was going to be a mixture of live action and animation, but I wasn't expecting this. Then another guy wrote, wow, with four O's. Uh, they made a totally unexpected arrangement there, R-O-F-L. <laughs> so like they're all kind of like, what? But the, I think that my favorite is from Yuji Naka, who you know is like Sonic's father, basically. And uh, I guess he wasn't consulted whatsoever on the project, which strikes me as bizarre. 
but he he this is his con just gonna full from the comments here it looks like it's very badly received hmm uh, I wonder if the movie is actually good when you watch it. I see so I see many movies based on anime or games are unpopular. I wonder what or why that happens, which is a very good question. What is it about all these movies, Sonic included? Why like why does this keep happening? Like look at the Death Note movie that Netflix did, or like the live action Dragon Ball Z from like what two thousand nine or ten or eleven. Like what is it with Hollywood that ruins? So they're made these by execs and not by people that want to make the movie. I mean, I think I think that's part of it for sure. I I would. They're, they're I think there's also this weird thing that Hollywood feels like it, it needs to be real, quote unquote. I mean, it's not just that, but I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, Pokemon didn't have to be real, but I mean, people are receiving them positively. It's, you know why? But, but I mean, it's literally the difference between the Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. One was there to renew the license and money, and the other one is there for money, renew the license, but they also had. Someone that wants to tell a story in an right. interesting way. Right. They were just missing that. And I think it helps that they have consultation. Because you're saying, like, Pokemon turned out well. And I think the reason Pokemon turned out well is, like, they found the correct sweet spot between cartoony and real. You know, like, if you look at Jigglypuff, like, she's fuzzy now. She has a human lock of hair. But they kept the giant eyes. There's no one in the real world. Like, no creature that has eyes of that ratio to their body. Like, they were like, okay, we have to make the concession here. And that's because the Pokemon company and all the Pokemon creators, they were involved. The people that are doing it, like you were saying, is like a passion project. So they knew that, like, you can't stray into unselling design because all the people that made this character would be like, what the hell is that? And freak out. But when Tim Miller and company are like, yeah, we, we just told Sega, suck it up. It's like, well, this is what you get, I guess. And I suspect to your point that, yeah, it's cash grabs and that's why this keeps happening. So I don't know. Like, there wasn't. There just wasn't an opportunity for Sega to stop them, I guess. Like, Sega was told how their character would look, not the other way around and not somewhere in between, and that's where it seems like the hang-up's happening. So, mm. at least in my opinion. But I think you're right that it, it does need to be a passion project, too. The Spider-Man analogy is a good one. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, how this all unfolds, because the movie's not out till November of next year. Uh, Paramount, that gives them plenty of time to, you know, try to sell us on it, I guess. They're already um, getting kind of uh, snarky in a way and sort of smartly doing this where they're embracing the blowback on the official Twitter account for the movie. Instead of playing up the legs, they're retweeting memes. They're saying, we'll see you next year. So they're at least self-aware. Can the guy work out or something? Yeah, like, like they're at least self-aware. The writer of the movie tweeted, everyone relaxed. Like it almost, I almost wonder if they're like, if this is some sort of weird like viral thing and then they're going to pivot. It's like, actually, he looks like this. Like maybe he looks like that leaked poster you were talking about the other day. Well, that wasn't... Yeah, it was a leaked poster of supposedly, like, pre-production stuff. Cause... Right, where his eyes... The eyes are the main thing we all know, and his eyes look like Cartoon Sonic. Yeah, and people seem to be like, oh, all right, if he looked like that, that's better. Yeah. It's not the best, but it's not... It's certainly yeah. better, yeah. So, I mean, time will tell. I mean, g- given that that poster also had Chris Pratt in it, and then they have James Martin instead. Yeah. Obviously, things have changed. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, time will tell. Um, Maybe Chris Pratt was the one keeping it somewhat together. Maybe. Before Maybe. they kicked them out. Yeah, or well, I don't even think they got him in the first place. There's a yeah. leaked list of who they want casting, who they wanted to cast for, and it was like such a hot like they had Chris Pratt, and then for Sonic at one point Jim Parsons was on the list, Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory to voice Sonic, which like what? <laughs> so they, I don't think Chris Pratt would have said as much as I love. Chris, no, Pratt, sometimes Pratt, they don't like on Twitter, sometimes they don't like promotional material like that is created to show execs to be yeah. like, see, this is what it could look like it's with a pitch. Chris Pratt. Yeah, their yeah. pitch. Yeah. yeah, and then the the cast list is like dream cast members in terms of both to get the execs to sign off and like this could be a big star draw. Yeah. So, so we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, that that's the song. I mean, is there anything as as an animator, as someone in that world, is there anything about the what we've seen so far that 
you either really like or really are like mm, what are I they mean, doing honestly it's, it's kind of too early to say honestly mm, that's fair yeah I mean we've literally just seen a silhouette on his tone legs and that's about it what is what was with the angle of that second poster when he's running towards Golden Gate like where are we his stomach like what are like that's not there's no way you can position your legs like that or that's all your viewpoint is you would at least see your lower body no you can not really his legs are extended in front of him you can literally do that right now alright just sit down just look forward you here won't... we go no cause like he's kinda like he has not like an angle like I see my my thigh my yeah but his groin, thighs aren't in it it's just stomach. like from it's like from his shin down it's like from I guess I think you barely see his knee if anything yeah I guess but that, yeah I guess that's just a weird angle cause that's not real like they're doing it like first person but then it's not because like they zoomed in past his knees whatever this, this is getting weird uh, so should we just pick our next I think we should actually do a randomized topic would you like to pick no you could do the first one you want me to do the first one no. alright so we have a whopping five pieces of paper in here I think should be five five alright our next topic ladies and gentlemen from the stocking stuffer that is just a cardboard box in a cardboard box what, what is this what is this box it's a cardboard box in a cardboard box but it's like it's like it's a cardboard box in a box but they're attached at the hip alright anyway our next topic is Towerfall. So Towerfall is a game that we want to share impressions of. We've been playing a fair amount lately. Um, it's your game, more than my game. I just play multiplayer with you. So would you like to... Well, you, well, so how are you enjoying Towerfall? What do you think of Towerfall? Um, I mean, it's as fun as I remembered it. I remember trying it many years ago. Almost so many that I kind of blows my mind how old this game actually is. I want to say it's at least five years old. Is that correct? Um, I can look that up while you're talking, if you wish. Yeah, not at all. Okay. But, <laughs> never, I mean, I, it just goes back to that bucket of games that we kept talking about we're having way too many of, you know, those quick multiplayer, you die in one hit games, like the hat one. 2013. 2013, so wow. So five years. Yeah, exactly, five years. June, five and a half. But this one, I mean, it just has a lot of clout. Um, Matt makes games. It's kind of gained a reputation from this game, and then they mm-hmm. have Celeste this year. I think they're... But... I mean, it was just always a fun, simple concept. Shoot an arrow, one arrow kills one person, but they have little mechanics on top of it that make it deeper. You could dodge in any direction to catch arrows. You could shoot them back. You could wall jump. You could wall cling. There are items, kind of like Smash Brothers, that can give you wings, that can make you invisible, give you shield. And then you have different types of arrows that just add to the zaniness. And it's as competitive or as casual as you want it to be. And it's just really great that you can set up games quickly, up to six people. You could do free for all, three versus three, five versus one, and auto balances. It's yeah, the auto balance is honestly one of the best things because we've we've gotten in a habit with our group. We've played it. We actually like something about this game is like stickier than other games of its type. Like we have gone back to this a lot. We even stopped playing Smash to play this a couple of times. Like that's how like good it well, is. Well, that's because but... it's easier to explain to people that don't really play as many games because like Smash Brothers is definitely like a higher entry point. Well, yeah. Yeah, and, but, I mean, and, among and, all gamers, like, and some of our friends, um, that we would definitely, that I don't know, if we play Smash, like, they'd probably just be like, oh, I suck at this game, and they just kind of just gonna yeah. fidget around and not really know how to recover or just die and like that. But I've so, met like even among our like more like we were playing Smash with a group last weekend, and they were all on board with Smash that we're still playing. Like one of them left, but they were all on board with Smash, and then we just were like let's do Tower Fall instead. We all just like switched over without any hesitation because it's uh, that good I, I consider that group more of a tower fall game ah, fair, than fair. but yeah it um, competitive would be like me Victor right, right Emerson and Dolphin and that's it all names no one knows except yeah. me <laughs> yeah I get what you mean to drive that point home yeah, yeah I get your point but um yeah no what I was going to say is your auto balancing con I want to jump in because we made like almost a game in the game where we 
basically Russian roulette. So we're all like really quick. You pick your sides like any sports game where you go left or right and that's your teams. And we'll just rapidly all run the stick back and forth and then hit A at one moment. And what's really cool is the game does actually balance. So if it's two versus three or two versus four, if it's one versus five, it will change the number of arrows you start with, who has shields, who doesn't. And also as you play, it adapts on the fly and gives handicaps. So it feels like it's more competitive and everyone's more on the same level, even if you're not. And not to say that the names that I named are any less casual in general. Just that, in case you know, <laughs> you know, no, it's just yeah, that, yeah, yeah. no, because I don't want to take away the competitiveness of Towerfall because it can, it can be, be a, very it can be a very competitive, very like mind, like mind manipulative game. Yeah, but I mean, Smash Brothers is just a different level. Yeah, yeah it's just a lot more. Complex. So, how... like, if you weren't invested in it since the Wii, then Smash Brawl or Smash Wii U or Smash Switch is going to be. I don't know, it's gonna. It's not gonna be as fun as something like this. That's true, because like this is a weird example, but Chrissy Teigen on Twitter talks about video games a lot. She's a big Nintendo fan. She bought Smash, and she's like, "What is going on? I don't like this," and has not gone back to it. Apparently, like Bill Trennan's responding her on Twitter, like, "We'll teach you how to play. It's fine." She's like, "No, I need something simpler." And then way forward, it's like, "You want to check out Shantae for the Switch?" And gave her a code, and she's like raving about it on Twitter now. But yeah, so to your point, it isn't an easy entry point necessarily for everyone. Yeah. Like Towerfall, which is simpler. How single player though? Because I've only done multiplayer with you guys, which is really, really, really fun. And there's so much variety in stages. The characters are all basically the same, but the stage variety, even within the same like theme of stage, is so different. I mean, single player, but... it's, it's similar. You could play with one or two people in one mode, or there's a mode that supports up to four people in little campaigns. You can kill each other, but you can't jump on each other. Jumping on other people kills them, but not in cooperative mode. Mm. And you just fight monsters, they spawn until... You're pretty much fighting waves of monsters until you get through all six, seven waves, and then you go to the next level. And at the end of every four or five levels, there's a boss. And the bosses are pretty creative. They all have, like, that giant eye you have to destroy, but sometimes you have to dodge tentacles that appear from the top and bottom of the screen. Sometimes they're shoot projectiles that bounce all over. It's it's challenging, but it's fun. And so so not, how much... It, it's, it's 20, right? Yeah, it's 20 bucks. I mean, we've probably gotten our 20 bucks worth just off the multiplayer. Like, we've literally been playing it. It's worth 20 bucks, but... But it is an older game, so... Yeah, you... it's a pretty old game. I don't know. If you can get it on sale, get it on sale. But, yeah, I'd say it's worth the 20 bucks. It's a very... It's very good. Um, It's funny, though, because, like, it came kind of at a good time, too, at least in my opinion, because, like, it sort of filled the pixely local multiplayer void that I think I was expecting Killer Queen Black to kind of fill. Because, you know, like, it earlier this year was at E3... Um, and it seemed like that would be, be the big multiplayer indie game this holiday on Switch, at least in our group, our social circle. And they're different in terms of the gameplay. Killer Queen Black is more team, uh, or more, it's, it's more strategic. It's more, it's not just one hit kill. You have multiple ways of winning. Different people are doing different things on the team. So it is different in that regard. But like, when it got delayed, Towerfall just kind of conveniently swapped in and sort of fills that niche a little. Yeah, which is which is kind of just kind of a nice coincidence. But the uh, the delays for Killer Queen Killer Queen Black actually do seem justified. Finally, the developers are talking about it again. Um, they published a I think they call it like State of the Game or something like that blog post, and they were highlighting all this stuff they're adding. They're gonna have cross platform chat, which for an indie game I feel like is not that common. You know, like outside the Rocket Leagues of the world. Um, interestingly, one of the things they're gonna do with the chat is you can do push to talk, almost like like the Nextel walkie talkies from back in the day or the Apple Watch walkie talkie, which like, not a lot of games I feel like do that, but it's kind of an interesting idea because if you don't want to deal with the annoying banter of a nine-year-old who's cursing up a storm, a storm but you do want to be able to coordinate who on your team in Killer Queen Black is, like, doing Barry, or it's, like, on Barry collecting or who's the one that's going to try and kill say, the queen. Like, 
kind of I want to say that is the norm in PC games. Cause is when, it? Yeah. Cause, oh. Well, not on console. No, yeah, not on console. Yeah, but so I know, but I know it's the norm in PC Because I remember, I mean, there are a few games I played online on my Mac because obviously not that many games are compatible on the Mac. But right. I mean, it was a thing for Left 4 Dead. I know it's a thing on Overwatch. I know it's a thing on like Call of Duty that you play online. Or... No, no, maybe it is more of a new to console thing. Yeah, usually, I think it's usually T, you know, to talk. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all so, and even if you don't want to talk, um, something they're adding because they're, they're all the rage now. Emotes are in there, um, nonverbal alerts are in there. Like there are ways you're able to communicate with other players, which I would say that was our big question coming out of E3 because we we went back and played Curl Queen Block a couple times at E3. Like it was really fun. We were playing with the devs and other random people and whatnot. But um, I feel like leaving it. I don't even know if we expressed it on the podcast in June. I think we did, but. Leaving it is kind of like, okay, this makes perfect sense for local multiplayer, but one of the big new selling points is it's also online now. That's like a step up above the arcade version, which is just Killer Queen. How how does that work if you can't communicate or anything? And it seems like this here are the answers. There are ways to communicate. So, I mean, yeah, it, I, I would say for me at least, and Towerfall kind of is what remind me of this, but like it kind of fell off my radar, Killer Queen Black, but it's probably one of my more anticipated indie games for 2019 at this point like it was really good it and to give you guys a sense of it it and overcooked 2 were like the two indie games that nintendo was pushing at e3 I haven't touched so overcooked you, 2 yet you haven't i mean and we we barely touched on it just to like because we we finished 100 percenting overcooked one mm-hmm. we weren't going to stop playing it we beat it a while ago but we didn't want to stop playing it until we got 100 perfect ratings on every single level so we went back and beat every single level this is overcooked one right? yeah overcooked one right so I mean, yeah, we've played a ton of it, and now, yeah, Smash Bros came out. So yeah, well, hey, 2019, you're gonna at some point need to take a break. No, oh, you're right, not 2019. I should rephrase. In 2025, you're gonna be like, whoo, this starts right or not, right? This um, carpal tunnel from all my smashing. I need something that's a little more leisurely, and you'll be like, Overcooked is not that because it's still very chaotic, and move on to something else. But then there'll be a new Smash Brothers. Probably. Well, did you hear that Sakurai was saying he doesn't want to do another Smash until, like, basically the next console generation? Since when does Nintendo care about Sakurai things? Well, that's true. But he, or his, it's not really so much he doesn't want to. He doesn't expect Nintendo to ask him to until the next console, which is, like, eight years which from now. Fine. So, yeah, eight years from now. That the longer a Smash sticks around, the better. Yeah, yeah, especially if you want to make it a competitive thing. It's definitely going to be a long tail evergreen title. I mean, like, DLC and all that stuff. So. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's Towerfall and more. Um, next topic I get. This is such a weird way of doing this, but it's kind of fun. Um, do you want to pick the next topic? Sure. All right, our next topic is... Oh, Game of the Year picks. Game of the Year picks. All right. So this one actually I'm kind of excited to do. So every time we finish up a uh, year of, of shows, we like to kind of look back and, and, we and you know, the last 12 months and what it was and what sort of things we really enjoyed. And in the past, this has taken a few different categorizations i guess you could say um you know there are different platforms we had 3ds and wii u then we had switch and 3ds this year we decided to keep it switch centric because yeah 3ds had a couple games but like i didn't really warioware was my one i don't even think you bought any maybe 3DS? So, yeah no you I went mean, back and played stuff I and remember if, that. And, and if we didn't make a nintendo centric like i mean my overall game of the year would have been god of war which you can still i mean that's still it still counts if you want to talk about why for a minute it's fair game game of the year i'm just saying in terms of categorizations we have like buckets but oh, yeah but I, mean, mean, I, mean, I, I already gushed about it i mean that that's my well old... you, you finished it in the time since you gushed about it right yeah right so no, like... I, no i still talked about it after i oh okay yeah. yeah yeah so i mean people know why i like it it's a great game trying new things it yeah, it is brought cool. life to a franchise that I thought didn't really have another direction to go to. It made 
me think that it wasn't going to work. But then after I played it, I found out it worked really well. And I thought it was even better than what I even thought. So right. I feel like that's definitely kind of like Breath of the Wild. Like why I picked that one over Mario Odyssey. Because that one felt like I was about a, bigger, to Breath of the Wild a, a right bigger now, risk and a bigger change than a bigger change than work than Mario Odyssey. That one just felt more like me too. Look at me. I could also be open world. And it just came off as, I don't know, pandery and easy than exploratory. Wait, Ma- you think Mario came off as being open world? No, like they're no like <laughs> yeah, like Mario. No, dude, Odyssey was like sixty four on st- or sunshine on steroids. It was definitely not an open world. No, I know. It was just yeah. That I was comparing it to. Okay, that's yeah. I, I get what you mean. Um, but yeah. So for this year, we could go back into. The, I feel like every like four episodes, we're like so about Mario Odyssey and get like almost on the cusp of launching to another debate about it. Mario Odyssey is our new Star Fox sixty four, where we have very different views of it. But I don't dislike it. No, I know, but we have very different perspectives on its achievements i guess you could say um but this year we were thinking we could do a nintendo made game achievements and then i'm planning to achieve something see exactly <laughs> there you go um but yeah we were thinking let's dig deeper into that shall we no um we were thinking i this know year, i did get bowser in a pretty snazzy tuck so that is a pretty big achievement right yeah and don't forget the hat not cappy i mean bowser's Top I know um, the whole outfit. Yeah, the yeah. whole outfit was pretty, pretty solid and glistening. Yeah, we got a good amiibo out of that, so that's two achievements. Yeah, three if you count the fact that like you have multiple cutscenes of him, both in and out of costume that you wouldn't have otherwise. So you have the existence of the costume, the existence of a physical incarnation of the to costume. Animate his hair and, flowing. That's yeah, achievement. Well, yeah. they've done that before too. Because remember, Hipster Bowser from the new DS, new 3DS no, it, campaign in Japan. He had a nice, a nice comb over no I'm talking about the flowing hair not the way it's called oh, oh okay I see what you mean he had hipster glasses in that campaign too oh yeah I saw Bowser's been through many transformations but yeah. anyway like, this year like everyone in the yeah. Mario universe besides Mario I mean yeah everyone's been able to everyone like, in the Mario universe is very you know like they could give them kind of whatever personality or they can give them a personality yeah but Mario they're just I guess they're not allowed to touch him well I feel like Mario's very much like Link in the sense of it's supposed to be like a conduit for you you are Mario, so they don't want to port. They don't want to push too much on Mario because that, in Nintendo's mind, is telling you how your avatar should be. Like that's why Link has always been quiet. He's yeah, the Link, which makes you know, sense. Player because I mean, which actually, yeah, which make which explains why they pretty much go all out on everyone else. Yeah, because they're they're making up for the lack of personality on the hero. It's you know, it's like in all the Mario and Luigi's or all the Paper Mario's. Mario never talks. They'll be like, oh, Mario's going to tell me something. And then it's like, oh, thanks, Mario. It's like, right, because you as the player who are Mario already know. So they don't need to waste your time. Well, a lot of other games would be like, oh, no, no, you're just embodying this thing. So you'll watch them explain it to someone else or whatever. Just a different mentality, I guess. But, um, yeah, so game of the year this year, we were thinking a Nintendo game and a third-party or indie game on Switch. Because there's a lot, like, there's over a 1,000 games on Switch now, right? So it's hard to and obviously they didn't all come out this year but it's it's kind of like well you could say pokemon let's go is your game of the year and that's fine but there's like a bunch of other games that possibly don't really you know it's not like pokemon goes better than game x or y like none of these games are better than the other game these are just what resonated with us on a more personal level or on a higher level but it feels like there's a chance for one to resonate because it's like oh nintendo and we're nintendo fans and there's one that can resonate oh this is just a really quality product on a nintendo platform so that's kind of the thinking behind it, yeah. I guess. Um, so, but actually, before we get to the games themselves, a uh, quick shout out to Nintendo's Damon Baker, who's kind of the the uh, he's sort of like the Sherpa of all the indies. He made so much of the Mindy scene what it is, along with Kirk Scott. He announced on Friday he's leaving Nintendo after being there for twelve years. 
So um, that's kind of a big thing because he was the face of Nindies along with Kirk Scott eventually. And he hosted the showcases. You'd see him at uh, indie events. And it, I feel like starring with Dan Baker specifically, that's when Nintendo really opened up to being more indie friendly and turning into the go-to indie platform that Nintendo now is. Like they remember in the Wii days when we were like, "Ooh, they have like seven developers. Wow, look at you, Nintendo!" And they were like really closed off about it. Now it's like the polar opposite. Possibly you could argue too much. We might be going too far into Steam territory, but Damon Baker is the one who made those, who helped guide the division that did this into making those connections and making that a reality. So whatever indie games we pick, in some way, in some capacity, are thanks to Damon Baker's work. So. I don't know where he's going, but um, it was always kind of cool to see him at E3 when we went to the Indie Mixers because he, he was there, and it wasn't just like he was schmoozing and like networking. He was actually like trying games and like seeing what might be a good fit for Nintendo, and he's also very tall. It's very easy to spot him. But yeah, um, I think Nintendo's probably at a good point now where they have a whole team that's able to do this. Like Obviously, he and Kirk Scott alone were not the two that were doing it. There was a whole bunch of people behind them, so those people already kind of you know they they know what to do they're kind of they can hit the ground running but it is his impact was pretty big for the nintendo indie scene so it's it i'd be curious to see where he ends up and yeah the indie thing just reminded me that's probably worth mentioning that this is happening anyway uh angel why don't you kick things off with game of the year what's your uh i don't know what you want to do first indie nintendo um i don't know indie i guess we were just talking about dan baker so might as well why don't we start with indie all right for Go indie, for it. well, yeah, it's Celeste. I like Celeste. That's so, what makes game. you say so? I mean, Celeste. I have not played it, but obviously, I was at the game board and saw how much praise it got. What What is it about Celeste that really? There's a difficulty. I mean, I just mm-hmm. like difficult games. It had right. really well designed, difficult levels. Um, I mean, I love those games that. I mean, it, it's just you pretty much learn to beat it as you lose, and when you die, you respawn quickly. It's. I don't know. I mean, the story is. It's a good story, but I mean, what kind of grabbed me grab it what got me was just the difficulty that hmm. there isn't really much more to say to that it's just, it's right, just right. a good difficult hard game it's just what i needed after odyssey <laughs> yeah and, and the story yeah because odyssey is too easy for you yeah and the story was just kind of a nice accessory to it because yeah. some people are like raving about the story being like the main reason you should play it but it sounds like for you at least gameplay yeah 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 I could see that's where, fair yeah. yeah and it's why the story would grab people i mean it's about someone battling depression and not really having a goal with their life so they just kind of made an arbitrary goal like i'm just gonna climb that mountain and everyone's like why are you doing that like what's the point and they're like well i just want to see if i can do it just to see if they can just to you know just have a goal you know the sad thing because i don't really always beat my games i'll never climb that mountain <laughs> that's not commentary on me as a person i swear but uh because i'm tight but yeah, it's um I I've, I've always I I feel like is it would you say it's too difficult for me? No, because okay. they even have a um Winnie Hunt Junior baby mode. They have a what? What's it called? <laughs> I I just call it a Wiener Hut Junior baby mode. Oh, I mean, no, I'll, they, I'll they, take they, that name, I guess. No, they have an assist mode that pretty mm. much just makes it so you can just enjoy the story and just play the oh, game. Interesting. Maybe I should check it out then, because yeah, it's getting a lot of praise, and like you know, if you're it's saying it's that, one of your favorite indies, that's I mean, like it's, a lot. It's not, well, there weren't that many indies. That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a really good one. I mean, yeah. I would say it's what it's up there with one of my favorite indie games. But um, I don't know. I'd be pleasantly surprised if you beat it even with the assist mode, just because the game is not long. It's like if you were to just power through it, you could maybe beat it in under an hour. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We'll see. 
Well, I first need to buy it. That's yeah. step one. But in the in the interim, I guess the game I picked for indie game of the year um, is the Gardens Between, which regular listeners may recall I shared impressions of back in September, which isn't all that long ago. But at the time, I was really going on and on and commending it for using time based puzzle platforming in a really clever way. Like uh, for those who those who aren't familiar with the game, you're following a pair of characters, but you're not actually controlling them. Instead, you're manipulating time around them. So you're either scrubbing time forward or backward, and that sends them on whatever path they're set to go on. But along with controlling the flow of time for them in the level as a whole, that overarching flow of forward or backward, you can also highlight specific objects in the level and rewind or fast-forward those on like a separate timeline, if you will, than the rest of the level. So there's like two level, two tiers of time manipulation going on. And as I think I said probably back in September when we talked about the game, that makes really clever puzzles because it's not just you do one thing and that affects another thing but you can literally have one go forward one go backwards and have multiple layers to the puzzle and then when the the cleverness for me where it really came into play was you see an object and assume it works one way but then you have it do something else entirely as you go through the puzzle like the simplest form of this is there's this giant v- uh, vcr and it spits out tape and it turns out that tape becomes a platform, but you don't really think, oh, that's going to be a platform. Like, oh, it has something to do with the puzzle. It's like, nope, this, we're messing with your expectations. It's got to be a platform. And obviously that's the most mundane, boring, simplest explanation that I can think of, but the complexity grows from there. Um, but the thing that I kind of like picked up on when reflecting back on the game now, like I was kind of mentally going through some of my favorites of the year and indies I played. And the thing that I was like, oh, you know what was really cool about that? Like looking back at it is the vibe of the game so perfectly captures the thing it's trying to convey like the basic premise of the gardens between is there are these two kids and they're going through old memories and each memory is sort of this dreamlike state where mundane objects like the vcr or a light bulb or what have you you know they end up taking on roles you don't expect that's kind of thing is like oh it's like oh this memory but it's a little it's not the memory you think it would be and what sort of stuck out to me when uh thinking about this is that through all its clever puzzles and atmosphere and everything the game's actually doing a really, really good job of recreating the actual feeling of having childhood nostalgia. Like, think about your own memories when you were a kid, right? If you you remember the person you hung out with super well, and you have these little slices of specific events, and you may not have the memories in chronological order, like, you may not even fully remember them correctly, but you have these slivers of it. And the events may be mundane, they may not be special at all, but they're these very specific things that stood out for some reason and stuck with you, and what Garnet's Between seems to have done is kind of captured that and then sort of wrap really clever, fun puzzle platforming around it. Like the like the VCR thing and whatnot. Like that shouldn't make for interesting gameplay, but they turn a really mundane thing into something interesting by having it stick out to you because it did something different or it's just weird or whatever. It's like dreamlike. And I thought that I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know. Like I think I think that's what for me at least made the Garnet's Between stand out against other indies like i like pizza titan ultra it had the ridiculous factor in his favor and i love crazy taxi and it's kind of like that and i thought cluster truck was a cool game because it it basically took the idea of like randomly generated super difficult platformers and flipped it on the z-axis so instead of running left to right you're running into the screen and i thought that was that was a fun like arcade experience but there is i don't know like garden between it just it did a cool job of presenting this really awesome gameplay inside of a theme that just resonated with me because of the nostalgia probably i don't really know but i just thought like i just like looking back i'm like oh that's actually really cl-. like it goes deeper than what i described it as in september in terms of the mat- the, th- the theme and i thought that's very cool so that that's why i picked that game curious to hear how the game develops as you progress in it yeah i actually did go back to it after playing or, or after talking about it in the last episode 
after oh. playing. I did go back to playing it after playing it, but yeah, I, I, it's really good to hear. Yeah, I, it's not done. I should be clear. I'm still not 100. percent But I just, hey, but if it's getting there. If, if there was ever an endorsement for a game, it's Jason returning to play it. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Like it's just so I don't know. It's just it really doesn't like the the it it captures that sort of child like like the fog of memory in a way, but in a good way, not in a bad way. Bad way. Um, before we get to our first party picks, I do want really quick you. You got to briefly talk about God of War, so I'm going to sneak in a shout-out to Warrior Gold. I sort of mentioned it at the top, but, like, Warrior Gold deserves better than it got. Like, this was a really good game. It's probably the only 3DS game I bought this year, but it it came out in August. It didn't hit number one on the 3DS chart of the NPD, which, like, considering there's nothing else to buy that's new, it should have. And then it significantly went down the list from there, and the NPD for November came out, and it just wasn't there, like, at all. Like, no one's buying it. And to me, that's a bummer because it's a very good game. I mean, yes, it's a remake, but it's from the ground up. I didn't notice until after I already played it and talked about it on the show, but I was reading a Kotaku interview, and apparently all the mini-games, micro-games, excuse me, all the micro-games that they um, had in the game were all actually recreated. They weren't just, like, copy-pasted. They recreated them, they changed them, they adjusted physics, they adjusted other stuff. And then it has a whole new story, all new scenario on top of it. Some of the voice acting, voice acting, some of the best cutscenes in the WarioWare series, in part because of the voice acting. And it just deserves better as a result. So like, I'm not gonna say it's a game of the year pick because it's literally the only game I played on 3DS. So I, I guess by default it is for the 3DS. But it's just the game deserved better. So in the same way that you're like, God War is really cool and you should check it out. I'm just slipping this in here, even though it kind of doesn't fit a category. Is like WarioWare Gold is really cool. You should check it out. You should help keep this franchise alive because it's one of the best Nintendo makes so yeah so with that said uh, I just wanted to insert that uh, with that said what's yeah. your first party pick um, well, unless you have thoughts on Warrior Gold it's not like you were best no I was just going to say that I kind of like to like in the same vein like, I, yeah. ha- I feel like I have to mention um, Super Mario Party just because I feel like that game also deserves a lot of praise for yeah. you know like Mario Party went down a dark road like the last <laughs> Like literally, I don't know why that's so funny to me. Like it literally drove down a dark road yeah. that forced everyone into the same car, and I'm glad that they came back from that place and burned that bridge down, and finally saw the light. So, it's just not wow, a- you've been thinking about this metaphor for a while, <laughs> or not metaphor, but this whatever you all call it. Anyway, sorry, you're saying, but yeah, like it's just nice seeing Nintendo for once go like take a huge step in the right direction, not like a monumental step but just a nice big step that kind of gives you reassurance that Mario Party is heading in the right direction yeah and it's still sprinkled in some new ideas that I don't know I'm really hoping I don't know how Mario Party did I'm assuming it did well super well one of the best selling Mario Parties ever it's at 1.4 million in the US alone it was I'm just just because I know these things it was number 12 on the MPD's top 20 for November two months after it's release or two sales charts after it's release like it's killing it and kind of like I said um, when we first talked about it, like I'm glad that they got that they set the ground floor because this was like Nintendo kind of playing it safe. It felt like a safe Mario Party. They didn't really do anything too crazy. They just brought on ideas they already had from like pre-existing 3DS games and mm-hmm. basic Mario mm-hmm. Party, which now means they can go all out on the next one. So hopefully, this I still I better still... for the future. I still kind of want them to make Mar- Super Mario Party be a platform, and then they just release DLC for it. I, I think realistically, I, you're right. They're going to do an actual sequel, and they're basically the same way they did New Super Mario Brothers. Because I mean, they're going to do that with Super Mario Party. Even the way their menu but... set up almost kind of feels like, like I mean, you kind of see it expand the more you play. But I was kind of hoping that, like, oh, maybe it expands more with DLC, or maybe like yeah. 
But it's just been... it's just the expansion pass. Like maybe the next Mario Party is just like Super Street Fighter Four Arcade Edition, where right. it's its own game case that comes with everything before it. Or if you already have Super Mario Party, it's just ten bucks and it just adds to it. If they do that, my one request is to not slap ads for other things on the bodies of the Mario Party characters. You've seen that, right? With Street Fighter, where they're slapping ads for the Street Fighter tournament on the characters, like they're replacing tattoos with like ads. Oh, like it's it's bad. <laughs> but I mean, even just like, and hopefully they do like bring back costumes. I know people just love costumes. Kind we can that we kind of talked about how why they didn't have them in Smash Brothers, like right, like the Mystery Island costumes or the yeah yeah or the cowboy out you know, the cowboy or outfits or the space suits yeah space suits. Yeah, I, I honestly think like the more I think about it, the more I'm starting to think it's not. I want it so badly to be a single platform of sorts. Like make it, you know, they're really good. they're gunning for evergreen with this. They're saying that, and DLC does that. And I think there's two routes they, that happens. One is they just leave it as is and see what happens. And two, they do DLC, but I suspect since they haven't talked about it yet, like they haven't gone the um, Zelda route, they haven't gone the Smash Bros route where we knew up front. Maybe they're looking at Mario Kart as an example because Mario Kart they're just like. Hey, surprise, DLC next week or whatever when they first did Mario Kart 8's DLC, right? And I feel like if they were to do DLC, they might be doing it that way. Because almost every game they announced it up front, but I think Mario Party, it's almost... They probably didn't know it was going to do this well. Because it, it is basically a soft reboot. And that could go one of two ways. It can either work or it won't. So they might have just been waiting to see and maybe now they're doing a DLC. Or they go full new Super Mario Brothers and they just keep releasing new ones with the new name of Super Mario Party. So next will be Super Mario Party 2, and they bring back the costumes for 2. Then Super Mario Party 3, they go away again, but they bring back something from Mario Party 3 and on and on. Like I, I That's realistically what I think is good. One of the two options. Yeah. So basically what I'm saying is they're either going to make a sequel because it sells well, or they're going to make DLC because it sells well, which is the safest prediction I've ever made. <laughs> but no, seriously, like I think this isn't the last we're going to see. Guys, guys, Nintendo's working on a Zelda game. Guys, I don't know if you heard... Mario is really popular right now, and Nintendo probably has a couple games starring him in the works for maybe 2019, definitely 2020. Some may be remakes, some may be new, some may be carts, some may be tennis. I feel like I'm doing some sort of slam poetry, but you, something's coming, guys. Mario's pretty big now. He's popular with the kids. But yeah, um, yeah. so so, so if Super Mario Party is your call-out of sorts or your shout-out, that means it's not your game of the year. So the question, of course, becomes... Well, I already said my game of the year was God of War, but... Yeah, your Switch game of the year. I, yeah. should, I should add no, that qualifier. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, definitely Smash Bros. Is a lot of of course, questions. same. Yeah. For me, it's definitely Smash yeah. as well. And honestly, like, I feel like those two just complement each other so well because you get your story with God of War, but you get your, I guess, unlimited hours of replayability. I mean, it literally just feels like I... It feels like a better version of what I was already doing in Smash for Wii U. Like, it's right. like I never left. Like, I just kind of continued with what I already like right. doing. Just everything improved. Obviously, there's still a few downsides that, I mean, they're addressing. They already did it with a few patches. Yeah, so yeah. Baby it, can, it can only get better. And they're definitely listening, but, you know, things are still going to stream But it's still, I mean, Smash Brothers, it's on a tier of its own. We're not going to continue to feed a fed horse, so... You know. I, mean, I have some things to say that I didn't say before about it. I, I do want to say, like, to Nintendo's credit, they put out some good games. Like, it's not like Smash, like, dominated that closely. Like, I really love, for me, personally, like, I, I love... I think anything came close to Smash Brothers from Nintendo, but... For you, yeah, yeah. But I, I do love how, like, Pokemon... Or the same like, person, but... I do, I do like how, like, for me, how uh, Pokemon Let's Go, like, it really felt like you were playing the cartoon for the first time. Like, Kanto came to life in a way it never has. I thought that was really cool. I actually really... I didn't play it as much as I thought I would, but I did enjoy the fact there that Mario is. Tennis Aces 
That's also good. Turn Mario Tennis into more of a almost like a Step fighting in the right game. direction, but also a few missteps. Yeah, there are a few missteps, but like to turn like a Mario sports game, which is used to be pretty casual, generally speaking. I know Power Tennis had some advanced moves, but the last few tennises were pretty casual. To flip that into like a competitive, almost like fighting game, but just with a tennis racket. That yeah, I thought that was a really cool move that Nintendo did, and it worked out well for them. But yeah, but Smash Man, like yeah, Smash Smash wins hands down, and I think. For me, at least, there's a few reasons I don't think we touched on in our 45-minute long impressions last episode that kind of cover it. Um, I mean, obviously, if you listen to that, you know there's a lot to say about the game, and there's all sorts of things we talked about, and there's all sorts of things we didn't talk about. So if nothing else, I think it's hard to deny that Smash is incredible value. It, like, the, the money, you, the bang for your buck is, like, bar none. Like, it is crazy. But even now, like, in the time since we first discussed it, like even more stuff is popping up which is kind of what it's like wait it, it's still going like i think the whole weekly spirit thing is interesting like to be fair this is a very small time thing you just rotate they just rotate a couple special spirits since like designated spots on the spirit board um and at a time where you see a game you know like spider-man giving out free suits of the sam Ram, uh sam raimi movie costume or you see like starlink which isn't even selling that well doing entire new modes for free like i get that talking about spirits Week, weekly spirits they rotate in is very insignificant by comparison but for those entrenched in all things smash it can be a big help like with the whole spirit grind should you choose to do that uh because you know i get these special spirits but you get enhanced dimes too and nintendo is basically giving you a feedback loop to keep coming back to smash beyond just whatever you would normally come to smash for and i think for me what's cool about it and why and what sort of embodies why it's game of the year is perhaps more noteworthy than just um that these exist is there's these overarching themes and they present different battle scenarios based on that theme like the last this coming week like this weekend this podcast weekend it's all fire emblem last weekend it was all um like characters with glasses which is a weird theme but a theme nonetheless um and i feel like that is almost like a uh, microcosm of what makes smash like my game of the year pick which is everything is just so perfectly aligned the fan service the attention to detail the variety all these things are true of the ADB spirit events, but they're also true of the game as a whole. Like the amount of time, energy, the care that the developers, you know, at, with Sakurai as their ringleader, the care that they put into this game is like nothing short of incredible. I mean, like there's there's this game explain video going around. Um, I tweeted it last week, but basically they pause the game and they look around the menu. They look around using the photo mode and examine just how far you can pan the camera to the left, to the right, up, down, and see what's happening in the background. And the sheer amount of stuff packed into those stages that you will never, ever, ever see, or on very rare occasions, like, it's huge. The amount of detail, it's crazy. And it really seems like they tried to think of everything for Smash Bros. And as, like, a student of Nintendo, if you'll indulge me in calling myself that, like, it's just super cool to see. Like, I didn't expect... I expected fan service. I didn't expect this level of it you know and i think even better is the amount of stuff that's coming down the pipe i mean obviously we have new dlc characters with joker and whatnot but nintendo they're also doing more spirits like they're building out fan service suit spirits in kind of interesting ways like besides the weekly event they're also rather smartly they're they're taking game save data you have from other games on your switch and they're letting you access special spirits right with that so right now if you have pokemon let's go you can get a pikachu or eevee depending on your version but, like, presumably they're going to use this as a marketing tool down the road, and this game's just going to forever be referencing other games and be doing fan service. Like, you know, maybe when you get Yoshi's Crafted World, you get a Poochie. Or Metroid Prime 4 comes out and you get, like, a Space Pirate. Or hook in some third parties. They're pretty, Nintendo's pretty close with uh, Grasshopper Manufacturer. In fact, Grasshopper now lists Nintendo as a major cr- client. So, like, 
what if Travis Touchdown got a spirit or something like that? Or like one related to Travis Strikes Again. Like the the possibilities are kind of endless and that that's kind of cool about it to me. Like obviously you need the core game to be good for any of this to matter. And I think everyone knows at this point, like you were saying, like you don't need to, like, you know, we all have talked about this, like Smash delivers on that. But for me, it's not just about the good gameplay. It's not just about the fact that I actually am able to play online without any lag, which is a weird thing to do in Smash. Um, or even, you know, even the fact that there's versatility in a way where, like, I can have a ton of fun playing with items on, you can have a ton of fun doing 1v1s, and we're both simultaneously playing the game how we want in very different ways and getting the same amount of enjoyment out of it. If not, you may even get more than me, or I may get more than you, depending, but, like, you know, the fact that they have Omega stages and Battlefield stages for every state, like, the fact that they thought all this too, like, even if you put that aside, to me what's cool about it is they basically made a playable encyclopedia of all things Nintendo arguably more so than any other smash and that to me at least is what won me over i am done now i will step down from my soapbox yeah i didn't even have to do half of that to win me over yeah no i mean i yeah yeah. i mean it would be a good game anyway but it's just like it really it exceeded my expectations in terms of the fan service like i knew the game would be solid we played it we basically played it like four times before it came out we played it within three months of it being announced we knew it would be good we knew it was based on the brawl setup basically so we knew like it couldn't get worse and Brawl was very good, but I didn't expect... You mean Smash Wii U? I mean, yeah, Wii U, not Brawl. Thank you. I didn't expect it to, like, go this high in terms of, like, fan service and stuff. Like, I, I was just kind of very impressed. Now, now I'm not saying the game's perfect. I think um, one headache we're both having is the whole Global Smash uh, power system. It makes no sense. Kind of. Yeah, just... It, it'd be nice if they just forego that and just give us... You know, just with the system they had in Mario Kart, just start everyone with a base 1,000 points, and every time you win, you get some points. Every time you lose, you lose some points. There you go. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, the, that's all the, they needed to do. The the thing that I think bothers me about the uh, GPS, G, GSP, not GPS, GSP, is I'm happy to be told I'm average. Like, I was very proud of the fact that I hit, they you know, about the middle of the pack. But that middle of the pack is not actually equal to when you hit the middle of the pack. Because your middle of the pack is based on something different than my middle of the pack, but we're both told we're the middle of the pack. Except you play 1v1s, you are playing, you know, competitively, you are using characters that are more popular. Meanwhile, I'm doing, you know, four-player party mode. Sometimes. Kirby, I've come to realize no one uses. Maybe, okay, I've seen a few Bowsers. I have yet to see a Kirby. I mean, competitively, there's definitely more Kirbys. Oh, well, maybe I just haven't encountered Kirby. Well, either way, but you're never also mind playing. But like I said, you're also playing free for alls. Right? Yeah, but I'm doing like four with player free for alls or team battles or with items or with random stage elements and a lot of assist trophies for some reason. Like I didn't set it that way; it's just happening. But you're doing like Omega and Super Serious and one v one. Yet somehow, I sometimes have a higher GSP than you, and you sometimes have a higher GSP than me. You definitely don't have one higher than me. Not so. currently, but no. when we. Oh no, it was Elvis die somehow. Well, uh, you you yours was higher than one of Elvis's characters. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's yeah. like that's weird. Like it's fine. Like I, on one level, I appreciate Nintendo. Like, hey, you're better than half the people that play. But the but the way that we can't get granular about what that means, it's like the the comparison they they, they have them all in one bucket, which is just weird. But it should have been split into different things because it it just makes it that much more confusing. Like someone could be rank one million eight hundred thousand, but. Like, for all we know, like, that could be in free-for-all with items. Yeah. I mean, that'd be an amazing player, but, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird because, like, there's just, clearly an algorithm that's driving this. I mean, I don't know. Maybe 
it might stay it'll definitely stabilize like a couple months from now but oh for sure but even then like it's still not going to make it any less confusing the, the thing that bothers me is like clearly there's an algorithm driving this as i was about to say and like it seems like it's a mix of your character because it's somewhat character based your win-loss ratio and a few other things which we don't know but like that's what like the there's a whole industry around how to make yourself rank higher on google search engine optimization and like I don't think Smash Bros. should be in a situation where you need to, like, find gurus who know how to interpret GSPs. Yeah. It should not – we should not be doing the SEO of video games. It should just be, like, you're, th- you're this good or you're this bad. Like, it – Yeah, and as a result, weird. because, like, it's also factoring in new people, it's not even worth really looking at it right now. Not too much, at least, because, yeah. like, when – in the early days, I remember, like, when I first started, like, climbing up the ladder – being at 600,000 was considered like extremely well mm-hmm. but then literally the next morning my rank went up to 900,000 then I climbed up a little bit I was still 900,000 the next morning I was at 1,200,000 and then I remembered when like a million four hundred was considered high and I think right now my highest one is like at 1,800,000 which is like 300,000 higher than the last time I looked not you know, just in general like oh, from yeah. like reading the, you know the consensus on reddit or whatever so yeah it, it does keep going as more people play obviously but it's just weird because like even it even got confusing because when I started playing because it was after online it was well after you did so you assumed that my starting number was a number based on what you experienced but it ended up being different because of how the rankings shuffled so it's it, like you can't it, like be it, like well where did you start at because that's meaningless yeah, there's literally it, no comparison yeah because it, it depends on when you start that you yeah. get a completely different number and for all we know beating four people I guess makes sense that it just gives you way more points yeah than if you are beating one because I guess it's because we don't it, know the algorithm too. yeah because like we don't know how it's how it's again yeah, how it's, it's calculating it's, it. it's Smash Bros SEO which is not something I should ever have to say as a sentence in my life ever again yeah because I mean it even for a normal person it's really hard to value like how do you value winning a one versus one versus a free for all free yeah. for all it's like there's all these crazy factors but you also don't really have to fight that much you can just let people do the fighting for you and then you kind of just swoop in and kill them but in, I might have done some of that. I might have done some of that. My my win loss ratio is two to one right now, could, in part because of that. Or you could also be in the heat of it and just like pretty much just playing your your yeah. mind out. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's weird. It it it, it could have been a lot simpler, but they decided to not make it simple. Yeah, and what kind of sucks is uh, it it uh, to their credit, if you get your preferred rules and if you get um. You know, if you get your preferred rules and if you play for a little while and it starts kind of figuring out what your ebb and flow is as you go up and down with the GSP, you are matched pretty well. Like most of the people I was matched with were my level. And as I climbed up, they started to get a little harder. And if they got too hard, I dropped back down. And then it like it found the sweet spot and it did that really well. But the problem is if you don't have modes to choose from. You aren't like it, it sucks if you're making a competitive game and you can't actually guarantee a competitive play environment. Like, it matches well, but it doesn't tell you how it's going to match, necessarily. Like, you don't know what exactly mode you will end up with. And they're tweaking that. They made it better since the last time we talked about this on podcast. But, like, if it's something even I'm noticing and I'm more of a ca- – I'm a filthy casual, like, there's something that needs to be worked on, I feel like. So we'll yeah. see. It's probably something we I imagine we'll revisit in a few months and just be like, I mean, hey, I, they fixed it, Nintendo. I mean, after the patch, I did get one free-for-all fight uh, compared to three. Yeah, so it is, it is like adjusting, and and it, it is should be zero. It well, shouldn't be yeah, exactly. Like but. I don't know why they couldn't. And like Elite Smash is in the you'd be like, oh, that's the competitive mode. No, that's just like 
You just, you just rank into it, but you can also rank back out of it if your GSP yeah, drops. It, but again, it, no one knows what triggers the GSP numbers. Yeah, and so. it's getting harder and harder to get into, I guess, to be labeled as Elite Smash. Because it's not even a mode, it's just a label. Yeah. That's literally what you can just think of it as. It, and it's per character. Like, and it's per character, not yeah. the whole. Honestly, they should have just copied what... Because that's what... um could have just done for glory and for fun again. I mean, honestly. no. Well, yeah, but I mean, they still needed a ranking system. Sure. Because, I mean, at least it's pairing people correctly. Sure. But... They should have just copied what Capcom does for all their games. They could have their fun little labels, like Elite Smash or whatever, but they just need multiple. Like in Street Fighter, when you start off, everyone just starts as rookie mm-hmm. with zero points. Mm-hmm. And as you just gain more points, you become like expert, experienced, then like diamond level, then like platinum level. Oh, sure. And yeah. stuff like that. So if you're like a platinum level player, then it's like, well, you're like at least in the top like 100. And they And if you do want to... You can't actually see where you rank. Like, oh, I'm the 25th best player in the world or blah, blah, blah. Right, right. And what's even nicer is that you can, like, search videos and gameplay of those and people. And learn from the best. Yeah, that are from the top 10. If you want to look for just the best Ryu, so, then you could just search by Ryu and look by rank. As opposed to this one where it just kind of, like, I literally went to Spectate and it just said, here's a match happening right now in Europe. Do you want to watch it? And then I was like, all right, no. So here's what's giving me hope that they may address this. They promised within the Switch Online app that Smash World weird video feed social network thing for Smash players. And one of the things they highlight is they want to show how the pros play and how compet- you know how good players play. You can look at highlights of people. So I'm wondering if they're going to move in the direction you're describing or if Nintendo's going to actually be hand-selecting pros that they know have been in their tournaments or that are big on the Evo circuit or whatever. And they just be like, we, we gave you this guy versus like what you're describing, which seems more like the game picks them based on data. And then well, no, shows it, it to you. I mean, you get to. There's a few. I mean, you have different criteria you could search for. If I, that's I, what I mean, like the game picks it based on input versus Nintendo hand selecting their favorite players. Like, there's an opportunity for oh. Nintendo to do what you're describing with Smash World. Yeah. But I don't know if they're gonna do that or if they're just gonna be I like mean, dudes curating it by hand. Like, I, I mean, they kind of have to curate it now because yeah. I mean, unless they even they can figure out who in theory is the best player. Because I mean, what's what was so nice about the Street Fighter one is that you could literally search for. Well, the Nintendo, best, the Nintendo best, knows. the best Ibuki in the world, and just watch their game. Nintendo play. knows because they can reverse engineer their own number. They know what the numbers out. GSP, like we all know, we know we're better than X, but we don't know out of how many Y or Z or whatever number plays. I know Y's. because of their but whole Nintendo life, knows because Nintendo, Nintendo doesn't knows. want you to know how bad you are or something. I don't know, but yeah, Nintendo definitely. Although has those one of our stats. friends did bring up a a nice point today. We were having lunch, and some yeah. and one of our friends mentioned that, like, you know what? I'm gonna try to become a one. Like the the number one ranked player, which in theory means that you are the worst one, but and I'm to wondering... every other gamer, you're the best. But I'm curious, is it possible and is it achievable? So I might try that. That's the other thing that's confusing about GSP is like, so it is a number representing how many people you're better than, but it doesn't necessarily mean. But you don't like when you go up and down when you lose a battle, you don't drop like, oh, I lost. I'm now, I lost to three people. I lost four lives. I'm now worse than. And it's like, it's like hundreds of thousands of people instantly. Like, that's definitely, I don't think that's a one to one. There's some weird, the numbers represent another number, which is where it gets really mm. weird. Well, that, that, like. that is kind of how yeah. some rankings work, though. Yeah. No, right? no, no, but, no, that's uh, a thing, but I'm just saying, it like, match like, even, like, even in Hearthstone, like, I've watched, like, some, like, professional, like, some pros play, and, the, like, one of them is ranked, like, 160, and the other one's ranked, like, 155. And then as right. soon as they beat them, all of a sudden, the rank 160 dude jumps to 140. Well, yeah, but so that, like that, that one game can make or break on that level. But I'm talking like if I was at 1.1 million, I dropped to 600,000. It's like, uh, that doesn't seem quite right, but maybe. Usually, 
and, Maybe. And, and, I don't know. and usually I would expect way bigger jumps in the lower ranks than I yeah. would in the higher ranks. So. Yeah, I guess I mean because there's such like a mass of people. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I will say for everything Nintendo seems to be doing wrong, GSP, you know one thing they're doing really right though? Bugs. Like, I mean, it sucks to have game breaking bugs. There's one where if you might have already been if, fixed, probably. This might have already been fixed, but there's one where you're Isabel and Villager and it will crash the game, like soft crash. That sucks. But then there's this awesome one, which might already be fixed, where if you're two Isabels and you both use a fishing line to try and grab the same assist trophy at the same time, the assist trophy will multiply over and over. Basically infinite times, which means that yes, you can make infinite Waluigi's, you can make infinite uh, shadows, you can make infinite Majora's Mask moons, hypothetically. Like anything's fair game, and it just gets ridiculous. Like this feels like I, I secretly, th- I think this is secretly not a glitch. I think Sakurai's like, oh, oh, you want Waluigi in your game? Well, guess what? Here you go. And that's just you know all those videos of like dozens of Waluigi's just whying all the way around the board and or the stage and whatnot. But yeah, it's sometimes glitches can be fun. Yeah, I'm sure it's gonna be patched out, but for now, like it ma- it's making some good memes and stuff. So you know that's gonna be fixed. GSP, I'm sure, will be adjusted. Bugs will be patched. Ultimately, I think that yeah, this is this it's still the best thing Nintendo put out this year. Like bugs aside, uh, ultimately, I didn't even realize I did that. Uh, yeah, this is. I'm very happy with this game. Yeah. I, I I think actually you know I think part of the reason this game feels so impactful is because it really was the, it defined the year. Like it wasn't just like oh it came out and we played it. Like Nintendo really played this thing up they really handed it up like think about every event every direct every announcement smash was always involved in some capacity this year like look at this year's e3 there was there's this interview i was reading with reggie in ign i think it was right after the game awards and he was saying that e3 is the single biggest event for generating brand engagement for nintendo and nintendo had probably what like you were you were there with me at e3 they had like what a dozen games in their booth maybe maybe yeah, a little less a decent amount yeah but it was smash that carried all the hype like smash was the theme of the booth smash was in every video smash was the talking point smash was the one in the treehouse for like almost every hour of every day it's what helped to maintain the excitement in what would have been a relatively slow year otherwise i mean yeah like we got kirby and nintendo labo and mario tennis and pokemon but compared to switch's 2017 like 2018 was definitely a bit more spread out it had fewer high profile games until this quarter with smash and pokemon it was i sort of said this last episode but it was basically the sophomore slump and what's nice is the smash momentum was able to kind of fill the void left by the missing games that we didn't have compared to 2017 like i mean like you know it's kind of a slow year for a system when a fake character generates more hype than anything nintendo's doing outside of smash like bowsette was a big deal. And I don't know if Nintendo was pumping out things as quick as 2017, Bowsette would have gotten quite as much traction because something else would have swept it away within a day. But, like, Bowsette was a big thing. Like, actually, fun fact about Bowsette, and I use fun very loosely here, Bowsette has had 34.6 million searches for her on porn websites, specifically. Wow. Yeah, that's what happens when you have a sophomore slump of your Switch, Nintendo. People are going to look up your characters, in a, your fake characters that aren't even yours in a porn capacity. But no, seriously, like, I don't I don't know how intentional it was for Smash to kind of pick up the hype mantle, if you will. But it really did feel like it was custom fit for this, like, slump that this year was. Like, because if you look at 2019, 
we're almost back to kind of the boom, 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 giant first party lineup that 2017 had. I mean, we we already know, and this is a lot to know going into the year. We usually don't know so much. We're getting Fire Emblem Three Houses, we're getting uh, Yoshi's Crafted World, Mario Ultimate Mario. We're actually not getting anything Mario, but I was trying to say Marvel, Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three, Animal Crossing. We have that new RPG Town by a game. I think it's Game Freak, right? They're doing it. That mm-hmm. weird, like, it's all set in one town. They showed it off during the summer. I think it's Game Freak. And then we also have the, the next core Pokemon game. We have Damon X Machina. We have Bayonetta 3. We have quite possibly Metroid Prime 4. In three weeks, we have New Super Mario Bros. Deluxe U. Or U Deluxe. That's the order of those words. Like, there's a lot already happening. And that's only first-party stuff. So, because it's so much, I feel like Nintendo didn't... It would not be beneficial to have Smash in a year like 2019. Like, you're not going to do character reveals for, like... Ribot the Frog for Animal Crossing. It's not like, oh, new villager approaching. Like, you don't need to do that. But for Smash, you can use that to your advantage to fill empty gaps in your lineup and keep people really engaged with the brand and the product. So I don't know how... I imagine, given how clever Nintendo's been lately, that was intentional. But I think, in addition to Smash being a Game of the Year pick, like, that was an interesting thing that this year was, like, the year of Smash, even outside just the game itself. Like, it consumed everything Nintendo. And it's got to keep going with DLC, just on a smaller scale. Yeah, so. Smashing good times and all that. Yeah, what? Not just smashing good times and all that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so that, that, I think that with that, I'm finally having to say about Smash. Really? For now. For this episode, maybe. So should we jump to the next topic, I guess? Yeah. Unless you have anything to say about Smash. No. <laughs> all right, let's see. Next topic is... The, why? Oh, we, we folded this post-it backwards. I'm like, why is my hand sticky from it? Okay, next up. Jason's sales corner complete with a picture of a crying egg. Is that an egg? Sure. I see I see there's a, a Jewish star, because I'm Jewish. Happy Hanukkah, belated Hanukkah to all my Jews out there. I don't is what, what, is that a crying egg? It looks like or is it a UFO? Um, it's the way you described the matzo ball. You said it's a wet oh, dough. Oh, it's a matzo ball. It's a wet dough. It is, but usually it's in a soup. It's not just in a puddle of its own matzo well, filth. I didn't know what it was. So I, not, just drew I, a, know. So I just drew a, a doughy ball and well, it's wet. Well, I get, I get why I did because if it's Jason says corner and and he's Jewish, then by definition it's it's the, the Jewish segment of the show. So thank you for that art. I will treasure It's going straight in my shirt pocket. It was actually so that we can um, drop a happy Hanukkah. Oh, well, I already... Yeah, exactly. It it, it was like almost a month ago, but thank you for thinking of our Jewish listeners. Um, I know, the world doesn't revolve around Christmas. Come on. You should tell me about it. I have to deal with it every year. Exactly. uh, You know, to be honest, I do actually like Christmas decorations, and I do like like driving home in December and passing all the houses with all the lights. It's really nice. I don't know. It's (laughs) it's really, like, cheesy. But And, like, when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, so that... Like, I'd watch, you know, any movie that has Christmas in it. I'd be like, I'll never experience that. I sound so deprived. I have a happy <laughs> life. Don't get me wrong, but I do like some aspects of Christmas. It's snow. Snow is a fun thing. I miss snow. All right, now for the anyway. All right, onto the segment we're all corner. excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So to put it simply, Nintendo's having a very good holiday season. Like it's something we sort of that sort of kind of crystallized over our last couple episodes. You know, as we as we get new data to discuss. But I think the runaway success of Smash is a tipping point where it's like, well, this is kind of insane. Like that, we're now in that territory, and why I say that is because right now Smash Bros. Ultimate is the fastest selling Switch game to date in North America and the fastest selling Smash Bros. game to date in North America. That's to the tune of 3 million copies sold in 11 days which puts it near but not quite at the number that Halo 2 did and as a, one of the previous record holders for fastest selling launch. And it definitely makes Smash one of the top 5 overall 
most successful launches in North America. So, because like Grand Theft Auto did huge numbers, but prolonged. Like this sort of burst up front, Smash is now pretty much in the top five. And in Europe and Australia, what's impressive is Smash is now the fastest selling Nintendo home console release ever in the history of the company. Like this thing's killing it. And and in Japan, it's already sold 1.3 million copies in just its first weekend. It's so popular, it's actually creating like a ripple effect. Merchandise like Incineroar plushes have sold out across the country and are going for way higher than MSRP on, on auction sites. Because people are like, oh, who's this cool Pokemon? I want him. Like it's the Smash effect. The Smash Halo effect is happening. And in, in all, it's shaping up to look like Smash has sold to date about 5 million copies worldwide. That's what Japan's uh, Nikkei news- newspaper is reporting at least. Um, even if that number is slightly off, which is possible, it doesn't make it any less crazy because just for context, lifetime sales of Smash on Wii U topped out in its entire life at 5.35 million, meaning that Smash has probably by now already overtaken the entirety of Smash Wii U sales in two weeks' time. That's how big this game is. Like Next on the hit list would be the 3DS version of Smash, which is at 9.35 million. And then after that, if, if uh, Ultimate keeps going, they'll hit Brawl at about 14 million. But in both cases, Ultimate's already outpacing those launches. So if the momentum can keep up, they are going to hit those goals. Like they're going to become, It's going to become the best-selling Smash. And given Switch's history with high-profile releases, it seems likely that that's actually going to happen. I mean, the fact is, with Smash, five of Nintendo's fastest-selling home console games of all time are now on Switch. Which means five games by Nintendo in the last year and a half have shattered records that a whole five generations of Nintendo games were slowly building towards. Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and most recently now Pokemon uh, Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. All those are now some of the fastest selling games in Nintendo's history. And they're not just selling well, they're doing the whole like long tail thing. They're doing really well. In the same press release that Nintendo talked about Smash sales, they confirmed that here in the States, Breath of the Wild has sold over 4 million copies just in the U.S., Odyssey has sold 4.7 million copies. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has sold 5 million copies. Like, these games are basically unstoppable. And what's interesting about that stat is it's a new record for Nintendo. According to Reggie, he, he was saying in that same IGN interview we were talking about before, that the, this is the first time in U.S. gaming history that a system's top three sellers together are owned by more than half of the system's base. One out of every two Switch owners, more than half of all Switch owners, have Zelda, Mario, and Mario Kart. That's not an or, that's an and, and that's super rare. So, like, Nintendo's really doing well, and it seems like Smash is ripe to continue that trend. I mean, already you got titles like uh, Pokemon Let's Go, it's on, it's kind of on a similar track, too. Um, according to Nintendo, Pokemon Let's Go is at, it's, uh, let's see, I had the number, it's at about 2 million in just a month. And what's particularly impressive about that is if you look at just physical numbers, so ignore eShop sales, all right. According to all right, yeah, just ignore them, just push them aside. But according to MPD, Pokemon Let's Go has had the second strongest release of any Pokemon game ever, outside of Pokemon Stadium. Now there is there is that is a bit of a misnomer because they measure in revenue, not units. So yes, games like Sun and Moon or X and Y maybe saw more physical sales, more people actually picked it up. But Stadium, much like Pokemon Let's Go was a home console release. It came with expensive edition. It was the transfer pack then. It's the Pokeball Plus now. And that's why these two are the top two Pokemon games ever. But the fact that it's up there, like Let's Go is doing as well as Stadium did in the peak of the Pokemon trend back in the 90s, early 2000s. Like that's that's a big deal. Like the fact is, Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee 
they came in at number five and number six on the November MPD top 10 for all systems, which uh, when you're up against heavy hairs like Red Dead Redemption, Black Ops 4, Battlefield, uh, Fallout 76, they charted in that order, one through four. You're doing pretty well if you're right behind them and selling two million copies in a month. So that, that does bring us to the rest of the MPD numbers as I just sort of power through this, which uh, all around, pretty impressive. Um, it's really just a good time for the industry. For the first time ever, every home console was able to top 1.3 million units sold in the same month, meaning that in November here in the States, 4 million plus game systems were sold in just one month. Home consoles. That's a lot for an industry where not so long ago people were saying that console gaming was quote-unquote dying, and now it's having one of the strongest months it's ever had. So... I guess all three of them standing on stage together at Game Awards was more like, yeah, you know, more of a rah-rah for the industry than it even seemed because here they all are doing equally well. Um, the actual order, if you're curious, in terms of revenue, Switch took the lead, PS4 had the highest number of units sold, but what's interesting is that if you double back to those unit sales, Switch has actually become the fastest-selling console of this generation here in the States. From its launch in March of 2017 until now, it has sold 8.7 million units just in the U.S., that's faster than PS4 and Xbox One over that same time period in their lives. And what's the most interesting and impressive part to me is the Switch launched in the spring. It only had one holiday season until now under its belt. While the other guys, they came out in November, so they're, you know, they're two full holiday seasons in. This is like one and a half, and it already, it's still outpacing them. So that that's kind of, you know, for Nintendo, it's a lot of good news. And a lot of that is thanks to the fact that, again, Nintendo has all these top selling games. There's a site called GameDaily.biz, and they calculated out that since the Switch has launched, Nintendo's chart performance has included 28 different top 10 releases, 10 different top 5 releases, 3 top 3 releases, and 2 back-to-back number 1s this year alone, that being uh, Mario Tennis Aces and Octopath Traveler. And that, like, in the Wii U days, that would be absurd to hear those numbers. Like, 28 top 10 releases in about a year and a half? That's crazy. They're doing. They're really killing it, and of course that includes third-party games. But like, still, that's crazy. And it's funny because like, we viewed this year as kind of a quieter year. Yet Nintendo had all this going on. Was the top-selling software publisher of 2018 according to MPD, and at least here in the U.S., they they made they saw the highest dollar sales of software and hardware since 2011, which is the sort of the tail end of the Wii heyday, like the highest dollar sales in seven years. They're really like this is it's as if the Wii U never happened. It's just like they just sort of erase that bump in the road. It's it's impressive. And I, I, the question of course becomes Does so you're this... saying I could have had like four hundred plus dollars in my pocket right now if they had just gone straight to the switch? Yeah, I mean the technology wouldn't have been there, so you would have had to wait a while and you wouldn't have gotten experiences like Nintendo Land, which I think you can't do with Switch really. But yeah, in a way, you could just sat on those four hundred, co- collect a little ink a little uh not income. You can. Little, it would um, just require you to own two switches. Yeah, but then it's not really the same thing. I mean, I guess it is. At that point, but then you could have done it with a 3DS and another 3DS. But yeah, yes, but that's, that's a 3DS though. That's true. True, it's not HD. Yeah, but but yeah, I think the. So yes, you could have to answer your question, but I think the um. The thing now is, does this mean all that you know? Because I'm just like gushing about these impressive sales. There's that there's that 20 million sales goal there, that magic number that they keep talking about. Like, does this mean they're going to hit it? I have no idea. Like, it's hard to say if, like, they knew this holiday quarter of insanity was going to... Like, it's hard to say if they predicted this or if this exceeds their predictions or what. But really, like, 
if you look at everything I just tossed out there, it doesn't really matter. Like, the fact is, Nintendo's killing it right now. Arbitrary goal or not, 20 million or not. And the, the, the funny thing is, like, Nintendo sort of dug their own grave by making up that number because investors, industry analysts, they're, of course, going to use any possibility of missing the goal as a sign of weakness, as a sign to, you know, try to steer the ship for Nintendo. Um, but I'd argue that there are three other signs of strength that counterbalance that and that no one's even talking about or thinking about. Like, first of all, Switch continues to offer probably some of the best sales of individual game franchises that we've seen in a very long time. We saw it with Mario Tennis, with Kirby Star Allies, with even the port of Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Now it seems like it's Super Mario Party. You know, we were discussing before, it's already at 1.4 million. It's number 12 on the chart. That's, it's one of the fastest selling Mario Parties ever. And I'm seriously starting to think that any first party game that comes to Switch is just going to become one of the best sellers in its franchise, which is probably what's going to help Nintendo keep up these high revenue numbers, even if they don't have something like Smash in 19. And, and part of me has this theory that Nintendo's banking on this trend a bit. I think they're starting to notice it, and I think they're reacting, because a lot of what's coming in 2019 is like the Nintendo B team. It's Fire Emblem, it's Luigi's Mansion, it's Yoshi's Crafted World, and if they were to follow the trend of becoming the fastest or best-selling entries in their respective franchises, that lets Nintendo turn a game that traditionally will sell 2 to 3 million into a game that sells maybe 4 to 5 million. And that's a big opportunity that no one's really thinking about, but could lead to a huge amount of revenue for Nintendo. Because if every game they sell just sells like, you know, half a million more, a million more, a million and a half more than what it used to, and they're releasing, based on the list we have, they're almost at a game a month if they hit all their marks. That's a lot of extra money that they don't normally have. So I think that's one thing investors probably aren't thinking about that could be crucial. Um, second, you got to keep in mind that even if the software doesn't reach those high of numbers, which is certainly possible, Nintendo's still making more per game than in past generations thanks to the eShop. Like popular, like digital downloads are becoming more popular than they've been. And that's 100% pure profit for Nintendo since retailers are obviously aren't taking a cut. I mean, maybe if you buy a download card, they take a cut of that, but most people just buy it on their Switch. And that's all Nintendo at that point. And according to Nintendo, eShop sales are up 105% compared to this time a year ago and again that's in the year of the sophomore slump where there are fewer games but it somehow has doubled in sales so the eShop's a really big focus of nintendo that no one really thinks about but couldn't be a lot of money for them but it does bring up a weird rumor that popped up last week um it's not really related to sales but there's a theory floating around that nintendo may be renaming the eShop to the nintendo switch online shop which stems it, it all stems from a lawsuit filed by uh, against a guy who is selling modded Switches and NES Classics that are hacked with additional games. And in the legal documents, Nintendo references their own existing digital storefront as Nintendo Switch Online Shop, formerly Nintendo eShop. Now, there, there are a couple ways of looking at this, I think. Either the lawyer meant to say form, forma, formally, formally like, form, form, like the formal name is eShop, not formerly, like it used to be called eShop, or he got confused. I mean, the Switch Online's NES game library that's constantly growing, um, that's kind of like a shop that you just pay for up front. Or the other option is Nintendo really is changing the name. Um, I'm personally kind of inclined to believe that the lawyer just got his terminology mixed up a bit like if they're pushing against if they're pushing back against selling modified nes classics with more games then the nes library within the switch online service is what you use to prove why it's bad because you want to make money from that right like 
that would be what you focus on. Not so much the eShop where no NES games even exist or are sold. But at the same time, to kind of go against my own point, the lawsuit documents make such a conscious effort to use the right terminology that, you know, it's not even like they don't even call it Switch cartridges. They don't even call them like Game Card, which is the proper name. They call it Game Card with capital G and a capital C. Like they are really like dying their eyes and crossing their T's on this. So the fact that Switch Online shops sort of flip through makes me wonder what, you know, what, what could it mean? Like, I don't know. Hypothetically, if they change it, do you care? Does it affect you? Not in the least bit, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I get like, that. I barely look at the name of it, just point to where... I, I just, just point me to where to buy the games, and that's it. I think I'm in the same boat as someone that understands the ins and outs of Nintendo, and I think anyone listening probably doesn't care, but I don't... I somewhat understand them, but yeah. I don't... I mean, I can see why some people would care, just for consistency's sake. Yeah. I mean, it can get annoying, but I kind of stopped caring once Nintendo decided to start adding new to some of their names and consoles. Yeah. At yeah. that point, well, it, well, that's it, my concern. At that point, it was like, you know what? It, it, it's not even worth getting upset over. Not that it should, you should be getting upset but, over. But it, that but is it. my concern: is like when they were adding stupid names like new. It was confusing and harmful like, to the brand. Exactly. So, like yeah. right now, it's a simple, clear, unified brand. Nintendo has had it for multiple generations and eShop very clear is like you are buying something from an electronic shop you are downloading a thing but if if they do like Nintendo Switch online shop it reminds me too much of the whole era of Wii U and 3DS like yes it works and it doesn't have to roll off the tongue sure but it, it just yeah I feel like it's going to lead to unnecessary cus- uh, customer confusion and they're going to just have to change the name next generation too is it going to become the Switch 2 online shop for the next one like I mean imagine Imagine you're a less informed parent, right? You have little Timmy with you. We have Nintendo staple, little Timmy. And you walk into a store. Right now, you've got eShop cards. And you've got Switch Online membership cards. So you buy an eShop card to buy things in the eShop, the electronic shop. Or you buy a Nintendo Online uh, membership to access subscription services. So one is for downloading and one is for uh, Netflix equivalent, basically. It's clean. Now, let's say it's called the Nintendo Online Shop. Do you need a membership to access the digital shop that shares its name? Do your old eShop cards work with the new shop? If the NES game library is part of Switch Online, does that mean you can either play them through the online membership or download them from the online shop because technically they're the same thing, just different access points? Like it it doesn't it just it just creates so many like unnecessary questions at a time where the eShop is already doing great. Again, up 105% this year compared to last. So if Nintendo goes through, if Nintendo were to go through with it, which I'm still leaning towards this being a misunderstanding versus a real change, but if they were to go through with it, it raises one of the biggest pet peeves of mine about the company, and that is to your point where like it doesn't affect us directly, but like when it comes to Nintendo services, I don't get why they can't stick to an idea and build on top of it. Like services are a growing thing in the tech world. Apple's money is more and more, their revenue is more and more coming out of services than it is out of iPhone sales. Microsoft saved itself and briefly became bigger than Apple again off services, not off hardware, not off anything else. It was services. So if you need to do services and build out your services like Switch Online, why do you keep changing it? Why was it at one point Nintendo Network only to then not be Nintendo Network? Why is my Nintendo a separate program in lieu of the old club Nintendo yeah, that I can log Nintendo into? Network make more sense than now Nintendo <clears throat> Switch Online, but I right. guess... And then they have to change again for the next system. Yeah, because I feel like they're just trying to make it clear, like, no, no, this is for the new... I guess they're trying to ensure that no one is confused, but they're but it just... It makes it more confused, yeah. Or, like, how about this? As long as I guess as long as they keep it 
up to date with the current console. They never. But that's. But then, like, does your subscription roll over if you buy the new console? I know it, it is done. They should just do what a normal person would do, like the other yeah. competitors. You know, just PlayStation Network or Xbox Live. Yeah, like it. just call it Nintendo Network. It was a fine name. It yeah, worked it well for Wii U, but because they wanted to burn all the Wii U, like they basically wanted to like, uh, what's the term where it's um, we just burn down the whole. I forgot what the term is, but uh, the, basically where you like burn all your crops or whatever. I forgot the term. But yeah, that's Nintendo's basically like, well, Wii U failed. Let's just start anew with everything. It's like, well, yeah, some stuff worked, you guys. Like, Miiverse was cool. Like, stuff worked. But the, the thing that's so weird about these weird, like, stacks of services is like, why, when I want to log into my Nintendo, can I log in using either a My Nintendo login or the login for Nintendo Network, which is defunct? Like, why didn't they just integrate Nintendo Network into my Nintendo and make it the same? Like, there's literally a button for Nintendo Network. But apparently, also, you don't have to press the button. The other day, I logged into my Nintendo, and I didn't. I forgot to do it through Nintendo Network, and it worked. So why are there two login passes the same thing? Why create all these hoops? Why do all this? It's so nonsensical. I don't know. Like, none of this really affects my broader point about the eShop, but we're going about to switch on line shop or whatever you want to call it. Um, like, it's still a secret revenue weapon for Nintendo, I think. I just... Hope they realize that, you know, if they want to maximize that opportunity, they probably shouldn't be changing the brand every two years or five years or whatever and just kind of stick with what works. Like, Xbox Live has been Xbox Live since 2003 because it works. And this works. It worked. It worked. It's 100% up. It works. So we'll see. The The third thing, the final thing, um, I think can counterbalance any investor disappointment, this is the last thing, is the NES and SNES Classic. We all just kind of throw them in in passing when discussing MPD numbers, but seriously, they sell a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Like, time and time again, we hear people like NPD analyst uh, Matt Piscatella, who specifically says the SNES and the NES are the big drivers of this segment of the industry called plug-and-play, which in and of itself is one of the biggest drivers of growth across video games this year. November was no different. He said it again. And that's all very easy money for Nintendo since the margins are so high. Like, these things cost nothing to make. It's all profit. Unfortunately, unlike the other things I mentioned... This is strictly short-term. So, yeah, it boosts for the holidays 100% for sure. It's not going to do anything beyond that, though. Like, Reggie reconfirmed, he did an interview with Hollywood Reporter, that once the holidays are over, both the NES and the Super Nintendo are being discontinued. He also re-emphasized the whole moving away from mini classic console thing. Um, He again was saying, you know, switch online subscription, where it's going to be at. And then he went as far as to name-drop Wario's Wario's Woods. I should probably say the S. Wario's Woods sounds weird. He named dropped Wario's Woods, plural. Um, but yeah, like and Adventures of Lolo, by the way. So if you if you have a bingo card out there and you had a spot for Reggie referencing Wario's Woods on his own accord, you should probably buy a lottery ticket because that's something I never thought would happen. But here he is talking about. It. But seriously, it's interesting to see that Reggie, like they're really doubling down on the idea of Nintendo ending the classic console mini console concept. And he first alluded to this in an interview a month or two back with Kotaku, and we talked about it here on the show. And the context of that was specifically, will there be an N64 in the future, a classic N64? And I felt like he was bluffing at the time, and I'm still not 100% sold on the idea that Nintendo's just going to throw all that free money away. Like, it'd be perfect for next holiday season. But, you know, I'm starting to come around. Maybe they won't do it. Maybe they can't justify a cheap enough price point because of all the components for the extra controllers. Or, like, I don't know, maybe... Maybe the... PlayStation Classic underperforming or seeming to underperform is sort of spooking Nintendo because like that thing already has discounts and, and free gift cards with it. It's been out for like a month, if even. 
So there, there may be reasons, but these are also the people who supposedly might be changing the eShop name to switch online shops. So maybe they don't have the best reasons. I don't know. But yeah, it, it's, it sounds like we really are at the end of the classic consoles, which I, I, I'm sure you don't mind because you never bought them. I would have liked the N64 one. Would you have bought it? The N64 one? Uh, if it had Smash Bros. yeah. Interesting. But now, I mean, it could still happen, but we, we never know. So. To put kind of, it's not in the plans or it's, it's not on the not, horizon. Yes, it's not on the planning horizon or whatever the term is. But and I thought he was bluffing. I really did. But now I'm starting to like. He's saying it to multiple outlets. He's talking about it in different contexts. He's really. It's hard to say. It could go either way. But to put a pin on all this Jason's corner sales corner stuff, they may make the wrong decision about like doing a classic console, sure. But if you look at every other number and thing we've been talking about, Nintendo's clearly doing something right. Like they're nailing it right now. So with that, on to the next topic. Nintendo's having a great holiday. Uh, what is the next topic? There are only two left. Do, oh. Would you like to draw? Well, might as well. And it is? It is Pokemon Go Battles. Why is our episode just doing a normal flow? This is weird. I thought we'd get weird and like do the contest in the middle, but this is literally the normal flow of the show. I mean, I guess I wouldn't play there is a contest. Well, we already said there was. Did we? At the top, I don't yeah. think we did. I did. Oh. I definitely did. Oh, Guy, right. entice the listener and keep them engaged you know keep them hooked and what better way to keep them hooked than free money right uh but yeah pokemon go so have you tried you haven't tried it right because well let me ask you this are you still interested in the battles nope why is that because i feel like originally two years ago you weren't interested in anything else about pokemon go except the promise of battles and now the battles are out you kind of 180 which because I the battles are still not what i want interesting that's fair they are not they they make sense in the context of go but they don't make as much sense in the context of like core pokemon and battles that make this and the battles so that make, that make the sense in gold aren't the battles that I'm looking for. So that's fair. Yeah, I mean, this has been a long time coming. So yeah, I could see why. I mean, I've played, like you, you know, you're sitting there waiting. Like maybe this is the thing, and that's like, no, nah, this isn't even addressing uh, what I want. So I get it. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's gone from actually when I got back into Go, I honestly couldn't care less if they ever added battles at that point. Right. I just wanted to have chat in another medium. <laughs> right, right and that's pretty much what i'm just building towards yeah so i i will say it could ultimately help if you have to raid for a chat or something because like the way this is structured very interesting like, ever since niantic first showed off go like battles was the thing and now we finally have it and it's interesting how it does hook in to the rest of the game and that like like i feel like niantic had this weird thing where it was always this weird delicate balancing act like niantic and pokemon company needed to figure out a way that obviously goes a different gameplay experience, as you just pointed out, um, than normal Pokemon. It's way simpler. They needed to somehow translate battles to that. But at the same time, the majority of what goes existing battles are just rapidly tapping your screen and dodging. So, like, how can you add complexity to that to make battles between trainers stand out against raids? In other words, like, what's the sweet spot between the idea of simplicity and complexity? Like, what, how you, how you do that, right? And I think they may have found it, but it definitely errs on the side of simplicity. Um, I don't know how much you know about it, but I guess I could kind of walk you through the mechanics. You probably haven't really paid attention to it, but the the what? Okay, um, yeah, like the game. So basically, like the gameplay itself is about what you do in raids. You tap the screen to attack. After X number of taps, you get a charge attack, and then you can use that charge attack to inflict a lot more damage at once. But where it's different is Trainer Battles also introduce a new Protect Shield mechanic. So what this does is you can block your opponent's attacks two times. And ideally you'd want to block a charge attack. 
but since all trainer battles are actually three Pokemon against three Pokemon, you need to think, you need to like kind of think about what, when you want to use the shield based on all the various Pokemon types that are at play. Like, sure, you can use it to stop that Blastoise's charge attack, but if you're shielding a Venusaur, would it actually be more beneficial to instead shield from your opponent's Charizard when he comes out next? Like, there's actually, it's not just mindless tapping, you do have to think a little bit. And this is part of, like, I think where it differentiates from raids, because with raids, I found that if you just use the recommended team of six the game gives you, you're you're gonna do well enough. At least, like, when you're fortunate enough like me to have a good group, a good consistent, like, raiding group to do hmm. raids with. But for trainer battles, you're talking about like um, World of Warcraft, right? Yeah, you need a raiding party, and you need to like y'all need to have your role. But no, seriously, if you have like enough raid people, it doesn't matter what your types are. You don't really need to think about types or anything. You just no, do it. Sounds it. like a Discovery Channel show in the future. Raid people. Raid and pe- it really does. Yeah, raid people. Next on raid people, like I throw truckers. Right, followed but by raid, raid people. people. The world premiere of raid people. But no, for like trainer battles. Like, you do need to think about it's which... It's more than just the game. It's more than just... It, it, there's a meta. No, but you do need to think about, like, which Pokemon types complement each other to fill the gaps, because you only do have two shields. So you actually need to build a team, and you can save different teams and everything, which is nice. But uh, what I actually found more interesting about Trainer Battles is not so much how they work themselves, but what they give you in return for the work you do. So whether you win or lose, you're going to get some items. They can include a special Sinnoh Stone, I believe it's called, which you can use to evolve some new Pokemon, which is fine. That's great. And you get those items whether or not you win, so that's nice. Um, you can do it up to three times a day, battle against a person, or I think it's once against the AI per day. So you get basically a nice little like item mill. Um, but what actually matters, in my opinion, is that the trainer battles give you the opportunity to equip your Pokemon with a second charge attack. And the second charge attack that can actually impact raids in a huge way. Because normally you only get one charge attack per Pokemon, right? And if your Pokemon's a dual type, the charge attacks only get applied to one of their strengths. But what happens, especially if you use the raid recommendations, uh, party recommendations, is you might be given a... It might say, like, this is a great Pokemon because their charge attack is perfect for fighting this raid. However, their main attack, their main type may be weak against whoever or vice versa. You know, it could go either way. But with a second charge attack, you can now actually like really take advantage of these dual types. And since the second charge attack slot works with the same TMs as the main ones do, should you get TMs, um, that means you can ultimately customize your dual type Pokemon to be exactly whatever combo you need it to be to succeed at those raids. And I won't go as far as to say this becomes like an actual major game changer for like the raid system, but it absolutely can be a huge benefit for the game's underlying primary goal which is still filling your pokedex the game is ultimately still about expanding your collection and catching pokemon and anything that gives you extra help in achieving that goal feels like it's a win for the game so like you know all this trainer battle stuff helps with raiding which in turn helps you get more pokemon specifically elusive legendary ones and that's pretty much a what you want to do so it, it does have kind of more of a feedback loop and the whole thing just like it does feel really thought out like it, they the trainer animations, not so much. They look real... For a game that has such good animations of Pokemon and your little walking animations, fine, like, oh, when the trainers win and lose and throw the Pokeballs, it looks like... I think they forgot, like, 10 frames. Uh, I don't know. It looks really weird. But regardless, like, the actual setup is pretty good. Like, Niantic breaks the battle <laughs> system... Gesundheit. Into... I'm waiting for you to sneeze. Gesundheit. Uh, Niantic breaks the battle system into three different tiers. There's the Great League, Ultra League, Master League. And each of them have their own... Uh, Pokemon you can battle with a CP of X amount or lower, and obviously it grows exponentially. But besides just giving away to more evenly balance out like 
Pokemon types for your party, because, you know, you may have some that are lower CP, so you do a lower one so you can get a dual attack for them for a raid later or whatever. Um, it also just makes it way more accessible. Like, even if you only have weaker Pokemon because you're just getting started with Go or you're just getting back in, you can play an experienced player and still have a good shot of winning because they can cap the CP depending on the league you're in. And it doesn't change how the battle plays out. It's just the strength of who's playing, and it's just sort of catering to allow everyone to play everyone on kind of an even playing field. Which is, to me, especially crucial given how heavily Niantic is still really emphasizing real-world interaction. Like, you can you can battle online against other people, but they have to be best or ultra friends with you, which are like the top tier. I mean, you have to interact with them in real life a lot. Any other battle is strictly physical proximity to one another. And it, I'm kind of surprised, now that I think about it, that like if if you and I were battling like if we're in a raid right and they're like hey we should battle and get some items there's no like there's no actual way for other people to watch that like they should do it'd be cool if they did like a spectate mode where you could like literally view a battle unfolding and maybe maybe even like place wagers on it like sort of how Smash Bros does it I, I don't know like there's opportunity there that I think Niantic could expand on and it's it's a point that like a lot of my coworkers in my raid group, we were all kind of like, because we were doing it today, we were doing different battles, and we are like, wait, we can't actually see how this is going. We just, we're seeing your reactions, but we cannot see what's on your screen, and we can't all huddle around the phone. So, like, that that could be a good opportunity um, for Niantic to expand on this. But granted, the entire, like, real-world aspect, like, all this may be restrictive if you don't have a ton of local folk you play with in person. And, like, the spectate thing that I'm talking about is kind of worthless if you don't have people who play with in person. But it makes sense from Niantic's perspective. I mean, the huge push they're giving to going out and physically interacting with others has really worked well for them. They put out some stats for 2018 the other day, and it's something like 4.4 billion Pokemon were caught on just the community days. You know, those once-a-month days where they, for three hours, sometimes for a whole day, depending on the Pokemon, they'll put out a special Pokemon, and you go and you collectively catch it. And on just those days, 500 million kilometers were walked. Like, a lot of people are doing this and doing it in mass, and I'm, as I'm sure you can imagine, that's huge money for Niantic. I mean, anecdotally, I got suckered into paying for stuff on the last community day. You and me and a few of our friends went down to Long Beach for the December one, and there's so much going on that I needed to buy extra Pokemon and item storage and a premium raid pass and use real money. And, like, if I'm doing that, like, judging how many people were there out and about in Long Beach, they probably made a ton of money because if like I was doing that, there's probably at least a couple dozen other people doing that out of however many almost, we probably saw like a hundred people playing over the course of our little walk around. And it like, it, it's just, it's a lot of money and it of course doubles as free marketing for it. That's basically viral marketing. It's very crowd wise. Like, I mean, you could test this cause you're with me at both of these. It's very reminiscent of that first launch weekend in 2016 when we were walking around Culver City and there were people everywhere. Like Long Beach felt kind of like that, but this is two years in. So, like, it doesn't surprise me to see that Niantic's really emphasizing the real-world aspect. And while it does suck for some people, I get, like, maybe down the line they can expand it, but for now it kind of makes sense. I mean, like, there's a reason, for example, that Pokemon Go's November revenue was up 150% compared to a year ago. $80 million in November. Or there's a reason that, you know, App Annie, they're an analytics firm, they're saying Pokemon Go is the 7th highest revenue generating game in the world in 2018 so for people saying it's dead it's definitely not dead it's why niantic here's one more stat it's why niantic is now valued at 3.9 billion dollars that is more than square enix than capcom than sega they are a bigger video game company than all three of them off pokemon and the promise of a harry potter version of pokemon go like it's it's not and i guess ingress sorry ingress but yeah it's crazy and trainer battles seem poised to just keep that going by doing like 
just enough newness to the equation, but still sort of keeping it very on mission with you know with all the physical like physical in real world stuff. So I'm kind of impressed by it. I don't think it should have taken two years to do it, but now that they've done it, it's it works. It does what they need it to do, and it does it kind of cleverly. So that's yeah. kind of that's kind of that on Pokemon. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, that's, that's Pokemon I think that's there. Pokemon. I think we only have one more topic, unless you have any surprise topics you want to just throw yeah. in. I thought I'd draw the card uh, just out of the system. So the last card, where's the card? Oh, there's the card. <laughs> it's like the last card is Jason's Gaming Philosophy. So that's that's interesting because that's not an eShop giveaway. That specifically does not say the word eShop or giveaway. I, I feel like I have been duped. So am I supposed to be answering this? Or you, <laughs> I don't know why it's not a question or a statement. It's a statement. Jason's game philosophy. What does this mean? And what do I do with this? And oh. why? And why? And with who? And when? And how? Any, any, anything else? I think I hit all the journalistic questions. Oh, okay. And what? No, so essentially, so that is the, the gaming, I mean, the giveaway, so to speak. But we're just taking it in a... The way Jason plays, kind of, kind of direction. So instead of like in the past, we would have you guys, you know, just like say like what, like something you liked about Smash Bros. or your favorite character or stuff like that. But Jason, as, as you guys know, in the podcast has a very interesting way of playing games, in which he doesn't. In which he doesn't. <laughs> no, I, I try and, to. No, yeah, he, I feel he, like I need to defend myself slightly. I do play. Yeah, and, I just and, wish I could play and, more. And, and this is and this is not a. A judgment. A, this, this is not judging Jason. This is not like a tired on Jason. This is just like a, like I'm giving this once. I'm giving Jason the complete benefit of the doubt. You know, sometimes people's lives are busy. Sometimes people have other things they're interested in. As much as they say they're interested in Nintendo, and they just shots never, fired, and they just don't get to finish a game. They'll start a game and stuff happens, and they just never get around to finishing it. Or they'll buy a game and never get around to starting it. Or I do not have a single game in my library that I have not at least started. Yeah, you had a few at one point. I don't anymore. I know. I said I do not. That's I, I said not, at, I at some not. point. All right, all right. Yeah. All right. If you ever, like... If, some of these went on for years, by the way. But anyway. Right, and I, I course-corrected because I realized... I know, yeah. In my I ways. know. That's why you still did that. Listen, point. Rabbids Go Home, I got for like five bucks on Amazon. It sat there for a while, and then no, like... not even the one I was thinking of. I know. And then <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, yeah, I could push some rabbits in a shopping cart. So I did. And I'm here to tell you it's... It, not Katamari uh, Damacy. <laughs> anyway, so pretty much um, in order to qualify for the, the gift card, do you just have to write in the comments which game? I'm just, just out of curiosity that you want to play that you never got around to starting because you never bought it. Uh-huh. What game have you started and just never got around to finish it for one reason or another? Or what game did you buy and just never got around to starting it but you actually purchased? To, to simplify that prompt, what game have you jasoned? Um. Right. That's what you're saying. What game fell into my style of not finishing? Like, what game has been jasoned in your life? I mean, we'll we'll put the full one on the page. I'm just saying, like, that's kind of no, like yeah, the, yeah, abbreviated. Yeah. I don't have to think about it. Oh, I was. Oh, oh, oh I, I wasn't asking you. I was asking them. But yes, what game have you jasoned? That's a good question. We should start with that. I can tell you many that I've jasoned because um, I am Jason. Resident Evil for the Wii. It now, was, was that you never started? You never finished? I I, I bought it. Because it was two, it was twenty cents on GameStop. What? Yeah, it was twenty cents <laughs> at GameStop. So wow, it was that's, like, that is a bargain. So I was like, why not? 
and then I just never got around to starting it. I thought like, all right, I'll play when I get home, and just so, didn't. So I just I, I just, did try it a couple weeks ago, but yeah, that was probably the. You, you've just given me the greatest gift of the holidays, which is knowing that you're not. Alone. You are jasoning harder than I'm jasoning. I have no games I haven't started. You have one. No, I already started it. Ah. Oh, Man, I never. Th- man, there goes my gift. <laughs> that was that was like, I was like, fine, I can and, hold and, it over and, you. And even then, it wasn't as long as your world record of I think it was like a couple years for Pokemon Black, and then you also had another one. Black, I also got from Amazon. Basically, here's what I'm telling you: whenever I get You're a game on sale to Amazon, that one was rabbit. Okay, whenever I get an online game on sale or a game from the internet on sale, a game that I purchased on the World Wide Web on sale, um, those are the ones that fall through the cracks. Because clearly I wasn't motivated enough to buy them in the first place. So then when I do buy them, I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. But no cracks have been fallen anymore. Or all the cracks have been sealed. Yeah. There we go. That's I mean, ideally, saying. like, I mean, if you could, if you can think of a game that, you know, that you really wanted to get into, like, for example, like, Elvis and I, we started um, Tales of Graces, like, years ago. Yeah. But then, I don't know what happened, but at some point we just kind of went a couple months without having played it. To almost a couple of years and when we tried playing it again it was so long that we kind of forgot like what was going on and the menu was kind of crazy and the story on rpgs are kind of convoluted that we just had to start over so we started over and now we're finally past that one point and we're actually closing in on the minus end of the, game. the tail end of the story where you actually get close to finishing it the whole like playing it and then coming back and be like what that's my life yeah which i imagine like <laughs> happens to a lot of people like yeah. i mean not everyone has the time to actually replay the whole game and try again some people unfortunately just don't have the time i like to think of myself and i've said this on the show before i like to consider myself a game enthusiast more than a game mer yeah so i just want so i'm curious to hear about yes that, i'm very curious that's a really good problem yeah game that you wanted to play but never got so, around to games you bought that you never finished or games you started and never finished so we'll we'll uh highlight some of them i guess next episode you have to and, tell us why the game that you yeah, you don't need to say why, but the more Unless the more story, the better, because we're gonna share some of these next episodes, so I can have solace yeah. in the fact. Because like I'm like sure me. you guys will actually have a valid reason outside of like, you Ooh, know what? I just wanted to read Twitter fine. one night, or listen, I want to read Twitter twenty four seven. It's just... not just one night; it's my life. Twitter has consumed me, and all that is good about me. I'm just an empty void of tweets. But no, it um yeah, I'm actually really curious because it will bring me solace to know that I'm not alone. So yeah, leave a comment, I guess, on the blog post for this episode. That's episode 192, and tell us exactly that what uh, Angel was saying, and we'll highlight some of you. And I guess we'll just pick one at random, or if someone tells a really good story, maybe we'll give it to them. We won't tell you how we're gonna pick. So the more you tell us, the better chance you have, unless no one tells us anything, which case we'll just pull a name out of a hat. But we would appreciate more detail. Um. Yeah, and I guess that pretty much does it for this episode. That was an interesting way to end the year. Um, so to make sure, I guess, that you don't miss our next episode where we reveal the winner and share your stories, because I'm actually very interested to hear these. Um, tune in. It'll be on January 6th is when we're back. To, uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Um, our YouTube channel is RamNintendo.com. Any other podcasting app you use, we're going to be there. And that way you'll get the podcast pushed to you alternatively if you prefer to manually pull it so to speak um you can follow us on twitter at ram nintendo and we'll tweet it and yeah i guess that that pretty much does it we're of course gonna have news and impressions and everything next episode we're probably gonna go back to our usual format as much as i enjoy drawing these little cards out of a box it doesn't always make sense to draw them out of a box sometimes it makes sense to just talk like normal people so we'll see but uh yeah we'll be back in new year january 6th and until then 
happy holidays happy new year and uh angel final word nope the final word of 2018 for random tale podcast is no oh have a good year oh that's unusually positive for you wow or, hear that guys everything's gonna be okay here I we say, come i hope you have a good year you said have a good make it happen well it's still positive it is because i mean you are the driver of your destiny so it's as good wow, as you this make is, it wow so let's all strive for a better 19 yeah one of my favorite quotes actually from this year was from when i went to a it was like a career talent development program at disney uh-huh. and my biggest takeaway was that um your dream job isn't Getting your dream job shouldn't, isn't a dream. It's a decision. So if you decide to get something, then you mm. will, you know, you'll drive to do what you need to do to get it. It's not If you keep it a dream, then you're just going to keep making excuses for yourself and you're just going to keep procrastinating it and not do it. Can we do an Angel's Life Advice Corner at the end of every episode? That's very solid. Kind of how I'm doing right now. But yeah. Wow. Like, okay, that got darker. Wait, <laughs> that's not pop, but you know what you're going to do in 2019? I know. I'm going to make it a decision. Yeah, exactly. Let's all make decisions. Yep. We'll I'm see gonna, you next we're year. We're going to have a successful 2019. Yeah, we'll see you next year, guys. <laughs>